Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hmm? Ah! Huh. Hey everybody, I'm Rima. I'm Paige. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the Netflix show Stranger Things. Today we are covering Season 4, Episode 7, Chapter 7, The Massacre at Hawkins Lab. Which, yes, yes, there was. Um, <laughs> there was indeed. Holy forking shirt, man. Uh, uh-huh. This was a loaded man. Yeah, episode. Is, I, I see why this was like a first, like a, a mid-season finale in a way. Um, yeah. Not really yeah. quite, but, you know, there's only two episodes now. But, yeah, that there was that break between, which we didn't have to worry about. Uh, really too much. It was funny because we record on Tuesdays and finishing recording last <laughs> week and then going right in and watching this episode. And then I was like, from Tuesday to Friday, I was like, hey, for a few days, I'm actually caught up where everyone else is. <laughs> like, I know. Is, I don't for, have to worry for... about spoilers for like three days. That's cool. <laughs> we had a three day window peak where we were caught yeah. up with the rest of the world. I don't yeah. I don't think We've ever been able to say that before. It's certainly yep. been a first, I think, here on Strange Indeed, and certainly with this mm-hmm. show. So, yeah, but maybe then's... with the exception of when we first started the podcast, maybe right when before because we started <laughs> right before season two started, and so, but that's it. it it's a mm-hmm. monumental event for us. Uh, yeah, yeah, strange feeling. Now, now we can't say that anymore. However, yeah, it didn't take so. long. Like right right as the episode was dropping on Friday night or Thursday night into Friday morning. And then, and immediately I've already been ducking and dodging and diving and running from spoilers all over online since that second. So well, I'm, I'm back right into the middle of it. <laughs> it's definitely, uh, I, I've definitely been spending a lot less time online. I can typically uh, at least get on TikTok for a little while, uh, and I don't typically have to worry a lot about spoilers. And most folks, it, like some of the P 
people that I follow that do watch the show because they'll talk about it or whatever. They're really good about tagging um, and it'll say Stranger Things spoiler and I hurry up and go bloop, you know, and keep nope. scrolling through so I don't have to hear it. But it's yeah. been pretty difficult since these last two have dropped. So yes. um, it's it's like I have no form or, or format of social media that I can be on without seeing stories or potential spoilers and it's it's just been it's been bananas and i mean i think we kind of knew that uh you know going into these final two nowhere is safe for sure um i did see and i posted it on on our page um i didn't read the article but it was just uh because the news was everywhere and again if i'm on line for five minutes i'm gonna probably see something um i understand that risk but it was just a quick story i didn't read it but just the headline said that the netflix servers had crashed uh, Mm -hmm. friday or like thursday late night early morning friday whatever you want to call it but everybody waiting for stranger things these last two episodes volume two to to drop crashed netflix servers and i thought it was super funny so i took a screenshot of the article and posted it on our page and just thought way to go guys that's awesome um i'm excited to watch you know knowing that the anticipation of everyone you know wanting to watch crash the servers i love to hear it thought it was great and then of course um i made a comment later uh on on that same post uh my daughter was home that day she works later in the afternoon so she was home during the day while i was working she's in there watching episodes eight and nine and i'm in here working um i can barely concentrate um i'm just thinking it's freaking torture she's in there watching it and i can't like go watch it i'm just having to wait i've only seen up to episode seven waiting for us to podcast and it was funny because um one of our listeners mandy castillo that uh, she often comments uh, from time to time and leaves feedback she said uh in all caps, we will all forgive you if you break the rules just this once. <laughs> I don't know. So he's like, yeah, we've made it this far. Let's just, just bench through it. And I know. Fine. I totally snorted uh, at that. I, I, if I'd had uh, something to drink at that moment, I definitely would have spit it out all over my phone. Um, I appreciate that so, so much. Uh, and it's certainly tempting, but I was like, I can't, I can't. I've, I've, I feel like I would be betraying myself. If I did. So I, I did not. I just mm-hmm. I distracted myself with work and as I should and um, just put it out of my mind. Uh-huh. But it's been it's been torture. Absolute yeah. torture. Um, yeah. With with my job and kind of the way it is, is I. Yeah. But I, I find myself with a lot of free time still at home in the evenings mm-hmm. and stuff where I want to watch things. So I, it's usually having to find other things to watch. Yeah. So. Last night it was bad enough that I was like, fine, it's time to like jump in and start my binge on a show that I've been holding off on forever. So I watched the first two episodes of Yellowstone last night. Ooh. Holy shit. Yeah, I knew I knew that was gonna I was like, Yep, I'm hooked there you go. On the first episode. Perfect. One of those shows I knew I, I knew I would get hooked on. I was just waiting for the right moment to need it. So last night was finally that time. Perfect. <laughs> there you go. See, that's why I'm saying there's so much it's it is difficult. It is not hard. I'm not downplaying that at all. Um but the good thing about it is is there's so much good TV that we're able to distract ourselves with yeah. that for a temporary time we can get into something else. Um I did the same. I uh, what did I watch? I I I hadn't finished, believe it or not, I hadn't finished what we do in the shadows season 3. So I I was able to binge ah. that and that kind of helped distract me too. Um, over the week because it was a it was a holiday weekend had some extra time um, you know to to catch up on some other shows here and there 
So that's what I did. Um, that's just what we have to do. What we, it's just our practice. Yeah. It's what we do. That's our lives. Um, although I, I cer- certainly do question my decisions every now and again, like this is what we're doing. Okay. Right. This is, why do we do that? But anyway, um, to come back, I know uh, I got us off on a little bit of a tangent there. Well, as we were saying, this was a, a hell of a powerhouse episode. And I think it was so interesting. Again, I feel like the Duffer is what I kept reading before, if I remember correctly, and, and, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, that they didn't really intend for there to be a break. Um, it kind of worked out that way because they weren't finished with the final two episodes and they needed that time. Uh, to be able to finish them. So they had the first seven episodes. Um, But man, it felt like it was an appropriate break. I mean, this, this whole first volume here, these first seven episodes really did kind of end this big piece. And now these final two, I feel are, well, now we know who we're dealing with. We got our story. We Mm -hmm. understand a little bit more and now it feels like the next two are, so how do we defeat him, right, now that we have all of this? So it felt like yeah. a, a very – honestly, I, I feel like I'm going to be completely useless as a co-host tonight because um, I'm feeling s- uh, a little speechless. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to fully articulate what I want to say. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, and I don't know, I've got way too yeah. much uh, to, to say. <laughs> uh, we got a lot. Um, yeah, no, I like what you're saying. Is Yeah, it felt like it was a really good mid-season or kind of short, you mm-hmm. know, like a finale, a somewhat finale for a little while. With that, like, you know, you're saying where, yeah, okay, we know exactly who Vecna is, what his motives in a way are, like what his backstory is there. And then I feel like, with Eleven finally going through what she did and realizing that, and we see kind of at the end where ever, all everything's really going to be bleeding from the nose and Mina is just lighting up like crazy to where, I mean, I think we're, we're getting to a place where I think she's going to, you know, episode eight, when we jump right into it, I think her powers mm-hmm. are going to be back. I think that's what she needed. And so I think this was the buildup of like, we got to get Eleven where she needs to be. We have everything we need to know about who Vecna is. Now it's time for the showdown. We can do that in two episodes. Two very long extended episodes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, I'm I'm so excited. Again, I, I feel like just full disclosure to all the listeners. I apologize if I'm all over the place tonight. I just feel like I'm, you know, I just, well, you and I both were, were uh, texting before we recorded that we were both wrapping up our um rewatch there and kind of compiling everything putting it all together and so just coming off of that i feel like all these feelings Mm -hmm. of everything that happened are still really fresh with me and i feel like i'm kind of all over the place so apologies in advance to my listeners if i'm very scattered and and kind of just like (laughs) making no sense um i I feel like it's still even though it's it was my second watch i feel like my thoughts are just all scattered and i haven't really still had enough time to process it yet so apologies um (laughs) Well, I, I, there's so, so much to talk about. This episode was in over an hour and 40 some odd minutes. There's a lot to talk about. Huge, huge moments, revelations, um, and super exciting moments. Um, let's go ahead and jump into our top five or our top points, whatever the hell we're calling it these days. Paik, yeah. I, I went le- first last week. I would love to hear from you this week with your number five or your first point, however you want to frame it. All right. 
I think a lot of these points are kind of just intersecting and, and crossing over with each other at one point or another. But me too. We'll we'll get there. So so really the yeah we're gonna get there. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get there. Uh my 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 first one that like number five whatever. Uh, it's just a really quick. It's really kind of covers one scene and then I'll, I'll jump ahead a little bit with uh, another follow up. But it's it's Hopper and yes. Antonov Enzo. <laughs> Um, and just kind of their dynamic this episode before Murray and Joyce get there mm-hmm. and a little after, but, but yeah, just them and their conversations and then them working together, of course, is, so it's a really quick one, but yeah, as they're just preparing to face the Demogorgon and, and Hopper is even explaining like exactly what it is and how he knows what it is. And, and they're having this conversation where it's like, yeah, we have a wild plan, but it's all that we have. So, you know, <laughs> you got chances for this one, thousand to one. And they're just kind of talking it out a little bit. And then that conversation turns into them bonding yeah, a little further with each other over fatherhood and the hell that their kids put them through. <laughs> However, even through that, yeah. that they still have, you know, they still want and hope all the best for their kids and that they're hoping that, you know, that, that their kids are making their own way and becoming their own people and that they do hope to see them again, no matter what the dynamics are as their kids grow. Yeah. I love seeing, you know, I guess Mikhail is, is Antonov's son who's probably similar in age to a lot of the other kids that we have, you know, that were following mm-hmm. the show 11 and stuff because, you know, he says he's like, you know, his kids kind of this cynical preteen t- early teenage kid where, you know, he's just like, there's a word monster slayer Trump's um, <laughs> traitor. And he's like, yeah, but my kid would just be like, but the bald American did most of the monster slaying, right? Uh, Typical you know. preteen, teenage yeah. attitude. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I just like that they're like bonding about that. Of course, Hopper has a little extra supernatural worries with L that are unique to her. Yeah. But and I like that as Hopper is talking about that. It's like, yeah, this Demogorgon means that it's not over because it's it comes from something that's trying to hurt L. And he's just like, I have. <laughs> He's just no like, what you're talking I'm about, lost. Will, I'm totally lost. Yeah, but I'll support you through that anyway. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah I mean, he's going to be a supportive friend anyway. Like, that's crazy nonsense. But sure. I got sure, you. Whatever. Yep. Whatever makes you feel. Like you can do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and then I kind of like that last line that, that Hopper gives him before we cut to uh, right. Right. When we cut to Murray and Joyce rolling up in the van, which we'll talk about that later. But uh but where he says, you know, if we're going to get out of here, get back to Elle and Mikhail, you and me, we're going to need a miracle. And I was like, a miracle or a Joyce. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I'm glad they did. And then so I, I, that's kind of a, a further point we'll talk about is a lot more what happens after that. But I just wanted to really pick on their conversation and their dynamic. And then the fact that after they fight the, the Demogorgon, and I'll talk about that stuff, too. The fact that those two, that Hopper and Antonov are the last oh, two alive yes. in the pit. Kind of makes Me sense. Too. I'm glad he survived that. I'm like, I'm glad he made it out with him because I was really starting to like the character. It's like, I want him to be able to reunite with his son now after that conversation they had. Of course, since I really want that to happen, it's not gonna, is it? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. We, I, I'm, I get cynical with this show sometimes now because of that. They're going to pull it right from me. You're not kidding. Want. You know, I, I, I've thought the same. And I'll just add, um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, to what you said with with this moment, I, you know, we got to see some uh, moments between them in the first uh, six episodes prior to this, you know, where, you know, they've had time to kind of build a very reluctant relationship, you know, Hopper was kind of 
using him for what he wanted and Antonov was getting something out of it too. But now that they've found themselves basically on the same equal footing, they're both prisoners uh, here at the prison um, and they're both getting ready to be thrown literally to the wolves or Demogorgon in this case, you know, like in uh, uh, ancient Rome here. Um, And I loved that, you know, even though, you know, these two men come come from very different backgrounds, two very different countries. When you when you strip everything else away, they are just they're like the same. They are, you know, they've had their mm-hmm. their they seem to be like similar age. I don't it, that isn't quite important, but they're men of a certain age, um, close in age. They both have families. They both have children of similar ages. They're both dealing with, you know, very similar, like you pointed out, you know, the the teenage attitudes, you know, um, they both care and love mm-hmm. for their families, their children. They both want to get back to them. They both have something to fight for, you know, and, and I'm so glad that Hopper found. Yeah found that within himself again he got to such a dark place and to uh you know realize that you know he wants to get back you know to to l and of course everyone to joyce to everyone um and that he he wants to fight and and they probably have what Zantanov say like a thousand to one you know kind of chances to kind of make it out of that mm-hmm. alive they still are like well to the end and whatever happens we're going to give it our best damn shot you know that we've got a plan and we're going to we're going to execute it yeah. and we're going to try our, our hardest so we can get back to our kids you know whether they're successful they can't say but i did i love that that bonding moment with them and and i love that they had this commonality that even though they're two very different people come from two di- very different worlds and countries backgrounds histories that when you when you eliminate all of that they're the same so I love that. I think it was really great that the show yeah. was able to um, kind of, re- you know, show that to us. And I'm so glad Antonov friggin' lived because uh, I, I was like, oh, my God, please don't, mm. you know, pull an Alexi here. You know, uh, we had our sweet Russian that we lost right. there in season three. He was so sweet and taken from us too soon. And I was like, please don't do that to Antonov. And again, I know he's we may not be 100% safe just yet. We don't know um, what might happen. They, they still have to get out of the freaking prison. I, I know, right. and, and we'll talk about it, but I mean, w- w- we haven't seen that yet. We haven't actually, and until that dude is out of Russia and <laughs> on American soil, Lisa <laughs> Hopper, um, I, you know, we can't, we can't celebrate just yet. They still have, yes. have some work to do. I love that. Really good point. Uh, well, I'm going to add to that because um, my, my, uh, number five was actually um, the Demogorgon, and all right, man, and it's specific, you know, to that really my point. But wow, uh, the setup for the scene, you know, it's very much like well, kind of like I mentioned, being thrown thrown to the lions, the wolves, whatever you want to say, and they're in like this gladiator ring. And this time it's the Demogorgon and they've heard the stories like took out all of these men in like just a matter of seconds. And we know that to be true. We've seen the Demogorgon in action. It's pretty damn fearsome. It's it's yeah, it's very strong. Um, <laughs> damn thing will eat you. Um, and but I mean, it was I don't know. There's a part of me. I get it. It's evil. It, it needs to be like killed. But it was so freaking cool to watch. Yeah. 
<laughs> bouncing around all over the place and throwing people around and ripping into them. Like, yeah, I'm just like watching. So it, it's Gorgon time is what I had. Uh, but, you know, it's he's Hopper's desperately trying to light this spear on fire and it's taking longer than he'd like. And all the other prisoners around him were just getting brutally ripped apart. I mean, literally holy shit, though. The one dude that like got thrown up into like the wall and then came down and then just the Demogorgon came on him from behind. It was just like nomming on his head. I was like, God, that is brutal. It was, is it was so <laughs> intense and grotesque. I mean, it was awesome, but it was grotesque at the same time. Uh, you know, like I said, we've we've seen a little bit of, of what the Demogorgon could do before, but nothing like this. I mean, this thing mm-hmm. just came unhinged and was definitely, I mean, they've definitely kind of groomed it since they've had it trapped in this prison to definitely be in that hunting mode. And I think it's yeah probably made it more fierce uh, a, a, a yeah, little the, bit. The visual of it was super cool as well. Like, yeah. Because I feel like its skin, the color of it was a little bit lighter, more white mm-hmm. or gray than what we usually see. It kind of matched the real, like the snowy backdrop and the snowy ground that it was on where it was like a winter Demogorgon. And it just like, it had like a feel like a different creature a little bit from the Demogorgon we saw in like season one. So it was, it was like its own like new version of it. It was like an updated, upgraded Demogorgon. And I was like, man, this is the coolest thing I've seen in a while. And I've seen some, really cool things on this show that's kind of like what erica said jumping way ahead to a whole different point but like think of her going you know that's some of the craziest shit i've ever seen and i've seen some crazy shit like yes. i felt like that where i'm like man this is <laughs> this is really one of the coolest things i've seen in the show in a while and have you seen this show there's some really cool things that i've seen every minute of the show but yeah the demogorgon was i love the way that they pulled it off when it came and like how it was just quiet and dark and it was like mm-hmm. is it gonna come out and they just waited for that moment for it to bust out of there yeah, I love that. It, it did not disappoint. That Demogorgon made a hell of an entrance. It was intense. And friggin' Antonov is right there front and center. Mm-hmm. And that thing just leaps right out of its cell, right over his head into the, the dude that was behind him. I don't know any of the other uh, Russians' name. I mean, R.I.P. to those guys. I, I, I felt... All of them. <laughs> yeah, all of them. <laughs> I felt bad. I did. I mean, I was not rooting for the demogorgon at all don't get me wrong i i get it this thing is evil and it needs to be like taken out but i i still i thought it was so freaking cool the way it come out like you said this this slow intense quiet build up and then it leaps out and just immediately starts eliminating these guys left and right smashing them up against walls um tearing into their uh, guts and ripping their intestines out, eating, gnawing on that dude's head. Like you said, I thought it was super cool um, to to see the Demogorgon and, and and I think maybe it's well fed. They they've apparently been fattening up and 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 providing all the proteins and things that and nutrients that the Demogorgon would want need to be strong itself. So it's getting well fed. They've definitely put it in a hunting mode. And I think that's probably what's made it even more intense. Maybe not that it was, it wasn't already a pretty fierce creature, but it seemed to like they've, they've kind of trained it in this kind of gladiator kind of style role here. Um, So I thought it was super intense. I thought it was super badass. Um, And I, you know, I was glad to see uh, Hopper and Antonov, you know, through their their careful planning, um, they they were able to evade and get away 
Um, and yeah, they thought they were in yeah. like another prison. But I just thought that that whole scene was super cool. Demogorgon was super cool. It was super badass. And I don't know. I think it's about, I think the damn thing's probably loose in, in the rest of the prison. We don't know yet. But it didn't seem like it was <laughs> contained any longer in that area. Right. But anyway, <laughs> super cool. I mean, for, for a few moments, I was kind of like, that is yeah. badass. But I was like, oh, I feel bad a little bit for thinking that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, What's your number four? I'll go ahead and add. It's funny. We're just going to add on top of okay. each other for these points. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that that's part of it. Uh, but definitely just kind of saving Hop is that point. So talk more about, you know, Murray and Joyce a little bit. But mm-hmm. we're still in this this realm. We're still in Russia. We're, we're in Russia. We're doing the first half of our points in Russia. We're going to go through here. Um, which, yeah, because, you know, as I was saying, you know, they're not, they need a miracle or a Joyce. And then, like, right after that, yeah, they... Uh, the van rolls up and I was quite impressed with Murray's Yuri impressions. Yeah, he uh, shaved his beard and everything. <laughs> right. Like, you know, you see that he's scared shitless infiltrating the prison, but he keeps this like very goofy, crazy, jokey facade the whole time. Like, I mean, you oh, yeah, have a meeting with the warden. I'm bringing a, <laughs> American goods. Ha <laughs> ha. You know, and he's like just laughing and joking and it's, it's good job. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> <Did> good. <laughs> but like the way that he's like, <laughs> <laughs> kind of laugh like he can do it it's so he definitely good. Uh, embraced yuri for sure he definitely yeah. embodied all of yuri's characteristics and his behaviors he he did a phenomenal yeah. job you're so right it is good and he's, he's he's laying it on really thick and to a point where he thinks he might have even overdone it a little bit but still yeah. manages to pass like that where the warrens that you're not the yuri that i've heard of and no no the yuri i was told of has a screw loose and you have many screws loose and they start laughing and he's just like oh yeah we're good uh <laughs> joyce however not as convincing she was making some weird facial expressions that were not selling fear in those moments i was like looking at her and i was like what are you it's that classic winona rider like you've oh, seen like the gifts so and good. stuff of her at the award shows and stuff yes and making these weird so like looking around it's like that's what she was doing and it was like joyce what are you Whatever. <laughs> like, She's so funny. I love Winona Ryder. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's great. And, uh, so the, the warden leads them to this upper area where they're going to watch Hopper and the other prisoners battle, if you want to call it that. The Demogorgon really just get fed to it. Like we were talking about. Mm-hmm. They not, But they stand up there and they look and then the face that Joyce makes when she sees and recognizes Hopper down there, just like, ah, oh. like you just know that she's finally made it and then it's like this like relief of he's still alive but then immediately with fear of like he might not be alive much longer like i made it to find him alive only to watch him die oh no gosh can you imagine if it had worked uh, out some other way and she had to watch him um essentially be executed in a demogorgon style man i'm doing well i'm glad yeah that it it doesn't go that way because you know they roll with their plan of murray being able to use that moment to to get one up on the warden, hold him at gunpoint. I like that, you know, as I said before, the Americans are very tricky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> really emphasizing his American accent to be like, ah, we got you. Um, yeah, and then keeps holding him at gunpoint, takes him down to the control room because they want to help Hopper escape. Which then that guy at the control board is like, I'm not going to open the gates because if I do, I unlock, unleash this monster on Everyone, he's like, fine, kill the warden, kill me. I don't care, but we're not opening the gate. Mm-hmm. And so Murray has to, you know, he 
he's forced to have to unleash his arrow fingers, his iron arms, and his spear feet. You know, just <laughs> all of it. Get the karate time going. Uh, he's got that karate nailed now. He he just he has no fear. He's like, I I got this. His confidence has definitely been boosted. Yeah, he's just kicking some ass, beating people up. Uh, it's just <laughs> so fun. And and then of course they go back to them fighting the Demogorgon. Where I had to I had to point out. Because again, I always I never watch with captions on my first watch. I just take it in because I'm not a huge caption person. But on my second watch, when I'm doing all my notes and getting prepared to podcast, I always have them on so I can get direct mm-hmm. quotes or if I miss little things, I make sure that I have everything. But man, I know there's been memes all out. I have seen a lot of memes lately about the Stranger Things captions. Like that's become its own meme of all the squelching and all the things that people like to point out. My God, the squelching. I know because yes. the one from this episode then when they go back is Demogorgon feeding wetly and I was like do we really need that caption do I really need that? it's 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 so funny that you mentioned that because um, in my notes uh, I have this has been a very wet and squelchy season per yes. the closed captions for the first uh, wet and squelchy yeah. wet and squelchy. <laughs> Uh, what's Stranger Things like? I've never seen that show before. Well, it's real wet and squelchy. I'll tell you that. Um, when you get to season four, it's going to be very wet and squelchy. Yeah. <laughs> no other context uh, than yeah. that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Murray karate's everyone up. And then Joyce is trying to save Hopper the way that I play most fighting games, which is just start pressing buttons and hope something cool happens. More um, combat, baby. Right. <laughs> Uh, and it, it works. She gets the gate open and closed in order to save Hopper and Antonov from the Demogorgon. Which, by the way, Hop chucking that spear into the things like Flower Face. Oh, wasn't badass. that so cool? So cool. Didn't kill it, but you know what? It The visual was super cool. It, visual was super cool, and it served at least the purpose of getting that freaking thing off the damn door. That thing is so freaking strong. Yeah. Uh, it was able to start op- or like keeping those doors open and, and get back in there. So that that thing was strong. It it, yeah. it served the purpose. That was mm-hmm. badass. Yeah, I also noticed uh, while Joyce is hitting buttons, she also powered down the electric fences along the top of the pit. So yeah. I'm guessing that Yvonne and all the other guards and soldiers and stuff that are there are not protected from it now. So yeah, that might be the reason that that might help them escape. Is uh, everybody else is going to be a little more focused on. Demogorgon attack versus the escaping Americans. They're going to be like, you know what? Let them go. Because we got much bigger things to do. And there's not uh, going to be anywhere to really hide. Even, even if you're able to lock yourself up in a cell, I feel like that thing's going to rip the bars right off and, right. to try to get to you. So where where is even safe? And and I mean... I feel like the de- I, I feel like that's probably going to be what it is. They're they're going to be distracted to and be able to use that distraction to escape. And we've got a freaking demogorgon loose uh, mm-hmm. out of the, it's eventually I think going to make its way out of the prison. It's going to be a freaking demogorgon loose, loose in Russia. Maybe that's what right. ends the Cold War. I don't know <laughs> the Siberian the demogorgon. demogorgon. Uh- <laughs> yeah, demogorgon just takes out Russia. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I that's not going to look good at all. I, I think mm. you're right. That thing's going to get loose cause a bigger problem but uh but yeah and then to kind of wrap that up is finally joyce and hopper reunited i was so 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 happy to finally see that it was it was great i didn't have the super emotional tears that i thought i would i I got i got a little 
a little damp, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was just I, it was more of just like I was just smiling real big. I'm just like, finally, we've been waiting for it, and now they're together, and they they've earned that. They deserve it. I'm glad that they're back together. Now they've got to deal with escaping Russia and a Demogorgon attacking that prison. But you know what? As for right now, they're together. That's great. <laughs> We're going to let them have that moment. Uh, because, yeah, they're, they're definitely going to have a problem trying to avoid uh, being eaten by the Demogorgon. Because, again, I feel like it is loose. So they're going to have to get around it to be able to get out and avoid. Um, there's still danger. But for them to have this moment, I... I my heart was full on my first watch. I was definitely grinning. I did tear up. The tears didn't fall though until my second watch. So I did have to clean myself up um, right before we recorded um, during my second watch. I don't know why it was because I, I knew what happened. Right, I had already seen it, knew that they had been reunited, but for some reason it just hit me harder the second time. It's usually like that. Yeah, I don't know. You know I did the same thing where I get more emotionally invested the second time I see it because I guess. I know it's coming. So then I like my body's like, Oh, you're ready for this again. And it's just like, somehow it's like more impactful. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember this part. <laughs> Maybe that's, that's a, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Um, Cause I don't have any other uh, explanation for it, but it was such a sweet, sweet reunion. Uh, such an emo- emotional, if you were watching that and I just mean the general you, whoever's listening didn't have some type of emotional reaction to that, check your freaking pulse. You know, whether your heart <laughs> felt full, you were smiling, maybe you got a little teary, maybe you were ugly crying a little bit. Um, you know, because uh, that that was a beautiful, it's been such a long time freaking coming. Like you said, they totally earned that. Man, when Hopper, he's got that, um, it kind of just gives that side view more of, of the front at first when he, um, when the doors open and he's got this look of disbelief on his face. And we're like, well, what is that? Because we don't know yet that Joyce and Murray have made it down there. And then when the camera pans and you see Joyce and then um, she's just got that look of emotion on her face and all, you know, no words because no words are needed. And she just runs to him and grabs him and hugs him. And he's still kind of got that, like, is this real? Is this real? And then he gets that smile on his face and kind of puts his, his face down into her, her little beanie there. Oh man. And then you see Antonov there in the background and, you know, he's, he, he's like, I don't know what the hell's going on, but I'm pretty sure I know who that person is, you know? And, and, you know, he, I I think he was probably feeling it um, on Hopper's behalf too. You can see Murray in the background there behind Joyce. And it was just like, everybody's kind of, you almost feel like a, um, like you're watching something you shouldn't, you know, because you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're having that moment just between Joyce and Hopper and you feel like you're intruding just a little bit on that moment. So oh, I, about freaking time took us seven episodes to get there. So I'm glad we finally got it um, in this episode. It was beautiful. Love to see it. And I hope I hope hope Antonov gets that a uh, little bit of a happy ending himself. Mm-hmm. If the show decides to give it to him. Nice. That was great. Just once. once. You know, can we just get a couple of people that are able to enjoy lives and have some happy endings a little bit? Because this show ain't giving us much. Um, Or they don't let you have it for very long. Uh, My number four, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, because we're we're following up to a lot of the stories that happened in the previous episodes. You know, we've had a lot of buildup 
prior to this one. So we're getting some consequences, getting um, an ending to some of the stories there. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the fallout from the bullying at Hawkins lab. And Mm -hmm. this was after, you know, Eleven had been bullied by her siblings there in the rainbow room. Uh, It took me a hot minute to understand what Brenner, um, you know, as he was examining Eleven, because I feel like, I mean, they're in the lab, they're constantly getting poked, prodded, tested, whatever, um, to realize that he was, you know, kind of examining her uh, the morning after uh, the incident there in the rainbow room. And she suffered some consequences, which, or not really consequences, injuries, I mean, uh, from from the bullying, which, duh, I mean, look at how she got... She had a concussion. Yeah, you know, look at how she got slung around. Um, So, yeah, obviously she had some injuries. Um, I mean, I know that she is gifted and has special talents and, um, you know, can do so many amazing things, but she is still flesh and blood. She still gets injured. Um, And she did. But she didn't tell Papa what happened. She did not, you know, tell on her siblings for what they had done to her. But Mm -hmm. Papa is not a, a stupid man. He's not a very kind man and he's complicated and very flawed and I think in a lot of ways cruel but he's not stupid or dumb and he knew something uh, was up and I was curious because he goes to question the children he brings them all in a room together and he's asking them what happened and then I'm thinking well what happened to the recordings you know it's like he records everything what happened to that and then I was thinking did I miss it somewhere that comes up later Um, I realize um, as I'm making my notes. Um, But anyway, you know, she's she has decided not to rat anyone out. But Papa knows something has happened and he's going he decides to like fish it out of the kids. And he makes 11 step forward, questions Mm -hmm. the children. I know, you know, something I want to know what happened and I want to know who's responsible. And friggin too, just like I'm like, dude, you are not playing this off very well at all um he decides to make a snarky comment and i feel like totally outs himself and gives himself away um with with his comment um and but i you know i think it's interesting to see how we got a little bit of a i i feel and i think we've mentioned it before i feel like a little bit of a different dr branner than what we knew and were introduced to in season one he i think in his own way, very, I think, strange way, does care for Eleven. And I do think he has more affection for her than what he does the other kids. And I can appreciate that. But it was hard to see the punishment that he doled out to two um, with that collar. Uh, there was a part of me, again, just like the bullies uh, that uh, we met Earlier in the season, Angela and all of her cronies that bullied Eleven um, at her school. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a part of me that said, "You deserve this, you little twerp." You know, <laughs> getting getting all that. Right. Call. But it was hard to watch. There was mm-hmm. another part of me that was like, "Wow, this this was hard to watch." Um, and I think then showed what affection he had for Eleven and how he was sensitive to her. But also then it showed the cruelty of Doctor Brenner. Um, because that was a lot uh, to put that collar on and shock mm-hmm. him, you know, to basically get that confession out of him. That was kind of hard to watch. What did you think about that scene? 
Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I agree with a lot of that. Yeah. Where you, the part of you just wants to, like you said, feel like, well, yeah, that's kind of what you get, especially, you know, as Brenner's in like, you know, somebody needs to step forward because she obviously didn't give herself a concussion by falling or, you know, whatever. And then, yeah, like I even have in here, I was like, two is such a mm-hmm. shithead that, you know, even knowing that Brenner is upset, he can't help but jab at 11 with this like douchey little smirk, making his other, like the other kids like crack up a little bit. Like he's getting a little kick out of that. And then, you know, uh, that's his mm-hmm. major fault because as soon as, as Brenner calls him to step forward too, you see, he's like, oh, I've made a mistake, haven't I? A very grave mistake. Um and yeah, this like heavy duty shot collar, and it's as he's and, and it is. It's <laughs> as much as you're like, oh yeah, like this kid is awful. I mean, he's threatened to kill Eleven, and he's even like me, you know, eyeing her down. Like you know, oh did she tell you that? Like you can see Eleven's gonna be terrified. Like whatever punishment that he takes here, he's just gonna want to take it back out yeah. on me even more. So what's his helping? But but yeah, it is. It's it is a little disturbing and to see as Brenner just keeps cranking it higher and higher and higher on him. And of course, I mean, he's not helping his point either. Not to victim blame too much, but yeah, I was like two, maybe you are the dumb one, not 11. I was like, as you're sitting there yelling at, at Papa, yelling at Brenner, totally. being like, well, 11 told you that, that she's lying. And then when he's finally like, what happened? It's an accident. I'm like, Oh, that is the worst line. That's the worst one you can say. Like, I feel like honesty is going to get you shocked less. Not that you, sh- I condone shocking a child as behavior, like for like punishment anyway, but um. yes, right. <laughs> I am okay with consequences for what he did to 11. I'm not okay <laughs> with these, the, the choice of consequences that was given yeah. to two for his behavior. No. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah that, that was, that was a hard like, watch. Well, like, he, clearly deserves consequences but but it is taking it very far and it's to where even 11 is like oh like you can see that she's just gonna be like blaming herself like yeah i don't like this kid and he's threatening me but but it's, it's my fault he's gonna make it worse this is happening and yeah it's yeah, yeah not good and 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 you you see it or hear i guess the story so much and that's why i or I, I feel like sometimes why some kids don't want to talk about their bullying or, or because if if parents get involved, if the school get involved, kids are afraid that there's going to be that retaliation. You know, mm-hmm. if they go and, and rat out the bullies, yeah, this kid's picking on me. I mean, I always believe that you should go to an adult. You should go to someone that you trust and feel safe with and, and tell. Um, but I feel like it's hard for kids because they get afraid of the retaliation yeah. because, of course, the bully is going to be like, if you tell anyone – I'm going to hurt you even worse. And this dude, he didn't just hurt her. I mean, they like really beat the hell out of her and then threatened to kill her, you know? And, and it's so, it's easy to forget because we keep seeing 11 in her memories as we know her today. She's still a little girl. She's still a minor. She's still a little kid, but you, you get reminded in these flashbacks when you see like the reflections of her, she's this tiny little kid. Um, And I'm trying to think how old, what, what, what would her age have been? This was in 79? It was in 79, and we met her in, what, 83, 84? So probably seven, eight. So she would have been, have been like, what, maybe six? Six, seven, yeah. six or seven? Yeah, in that eight, range, yeah. maybe? Just off without doing the think, math. Yeah. Because I'm like, I don't want to. 
just trying to yeah like, without please quick it's been a long day don't make me do math numbers be like right now sound right six to eight range <laughs> yeah <laughs> between six and eight and she is a tiny little girl you know she is a petite tiny little girl uh it doesn't matter her her size or anything but it's it's easy to forget that she's not a little bit of an older 11 as we see her. She is this tiny little kid that they beat the hell out of, you know, and is completely incapable of defending herself against um, them. So they, they totally deserved some consequences for, for their behavior, but it was really hard um, to see that particular punishment and how harsh um, that really was. And then it was really interesting to also see, the orderlies' reactions during that that scene as well, uh, because as we and I know we're going to talk about it, so I don't want to go into it too too much. But as we learn who he really is and about his story, it was making me question, like, how much of a, a role did he have to play in all of this? Mm-hmm. Um, was there manipulation on his part to get those other kids to bully Eleven so he could befriend her? become her friend, manipulate her Mm -hmm. into this situation, what we see here at the end? Or did he see an opportunity? Like, was it already happening, unfolding, and he decided to take advantage of the situation? Did he go, ah, I know this this is an opportunity for me? Um, You know, so I don't know. I feel like he was probably... He was in that in that scene with Eleven, and I don't want to jump ahead too far. It just came to me, though, um, thinking about his role and if if he had a role in this whole thing taking place with her getting bullied and how this was playing out. You know, he was playing um, chess with her yeah. in that scene. Um, I mean, this definitely seems like he could have been – he's not playing checkers. He's playing chess, you know, and he's oh, yeah, I think- done all of this to, to get where we ended up. His his choice of of chess meant something uh, for us the viewers. I think so. I, I thought so. Yeah, uh, yeah. So if you've got more to that point, so I don't. I really just wanted to kind of talk about the fallout from the bullying and mm-hmm. and that piece of the story and and talking about Papa. You know, I'm I'm conflicted about Papa. I don't again, I don't think he's a good guy, but I do think I'm seeing a different side of him. I'm seeing how he did I feel like did genuinely in some form care about Eleven. Did think she was a little bit more special and stood out and had more affection for her, but also showing his cruel side with this punishment. Um so that that was hard. So just really kinda wanted to focus on that and I feel like kind of starting to see that manipulation. Yeah, and, and how we got to got to where we ended up. So that's that's all I wanted to say about that. So I don't know if that rolls into your next point. Absolutely, but it does. That's it, why I'm asking. It's, it's to you. Okay, <laughs> so let's I, get I asking, there. Yeah, because I was like <laughs> speaking speaking of that. Uh, yeah, because you talk about that manipulation and stuff. Because I definitely have that. So I'm gonna break way into it. I mean, all the way to the end of the episode. I think so. Jump in when you got stuff okay, to say on that. Let's do it. Because yeah, my number three is one. Um, just talking about all of that. And again, you know, after what you were talking about and, all, you know, this punishment of two. And so I find out that he's like in the infirmary being monitored and checked on. And so Eleven's back in the rainbow room playing and we're seeing all the other older kids that were two's <laughs> buddies there. are all just really mean mugging her and making her feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of just like your penance is coming. And then that's when the orderly, as we still kind of know him at that time, uh, (laughs) 
appears and invites her to play him in some chess. And that's what, you know, so he can discreetly kind of tell her this plan and this thing. And then, so yeah, I think that manipulation starts there because he's telling her Papa purposely let two attack you and he wants two to be mad enough to kill you when he gets out of the infirmary. And as he's saying all this, I'm like, yeah, I think all of this is true, except it's not Papa, it's you. Um, I was thinking the uh, exact same thing. Honestly, yep. I think I'm with one you. is the one uh, <laughs> <laughs> who orchestrated it all. I think kind of at least to take, if not orchestrating it, like you said, at least seeing something, a spark of something that he's able to to build and, and manipulate where it's this plan for her to help him. I think he knew this was going to lead to her stopping and offering to remove that chip from his neck to give him his powers yes. back. I think that was all his plan was finding, waiting it out, finding another subject, another kid, another one of Papa's children who had the power, had the potential to be the one who would unleash him back upon the world. Well, and two, definitely, again, I don't know how far back it's how far back he went. Because I'm with you. I do think he was like this puppet master in this whole, you know, getting Elle to be bullied by some of her other siblings and get to this point through his manipulations. And we didn't see the manipulations on the other side with two and his buddies um, that mm-hmm. were also um, in on uh, that encounter that they had with Eleven when they beat her up in the Rainbow Room. Uh, we only saw what he uh, his interactions with Eleven, um, yeah. but I mean, two definitely kind of outed himself as being the cocky one. The you know, like I'm I'm better than all of you. My powers are stronger than all of you. And he definitely would mm-hmm. sneer at Eleven, like I don't know why he wastes his time with her. So I think I don't know yeah. if it was kind of around that time where he's kind of seeing, hmm, I you know, like, I can I can I yeah. can work with this, you know. With yeah. that, I feel yeah he he's. He's worked here. He's been a part. Of, I mean, since the beginning, before the project, yeah, the beginning started. He's he's been the there, origin so. story yeah. of all of this. So he's this is been, freaking yeah. mind bending for me. Yeah. yeah. So he's been watching everything unfold, and he knows these kids. And so, yeah, like you said, he knows too, and he knows the personality that he has. To I think that's why he was helping Eleven the way that he was to give her the ammunition she needed to beat to in that telekinetic sumo that i called it last week or two weeks ago whatever um (laughs) yes but like i think he knew that if he gives 11 the tools and she beats him and he believed in her strong enough saw the power capability in her to know that she could do it at least put Mm -hmm. enough faith in her to think maybe she can that if she did do that and she did beat two he would be pissed off that that would hurt his ego enough that he would retaliate i think he does see these kind of things and knows these kids well enough to, to gamble on things like that. To be like, well, if I do this, if I help her, then two is going to retaliate this way, and then I can work that in my favor, and I can just let that continue to build to where even she's telling Eleven that, you know, oh, yeah, they're going to come back. Once once he's out of the infirmary, they're going to they're gonna kill you, and Papa's going to let them because you're too powerful. He can't control you. He's scared of you, which might be kind of true. Um, I th- I think so a little bit. I think yeah. there's a little bit of he's lying a lot to her to manipulate her, but I feel there's a little hint of truth in a few things mm-hmm. that he says. The best I agree. lies have truth in them, right? Um, yep. Mm-hmm. Failed in truth. So, <laughs> so 
he's he's giving her all this information which then leads her to this point where she has to escape he gives her this key card so she can get down to the boiler room for that escape and then you know we cut back and forth as the show likes to do so there's a lot of in between but sticking with the story so yeah we we get to that point where we know things are about to pop off uh because we have you know eleven's watching the clock and then i like how, you know brenner comes in he sits down and he's talking to 10 and then takes 10 away for his lessons and I was like, well, we know from the first episode of the season that Brenner was with 10 when everything went down with the murder and the stuff, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, oh, he was working with 10. And so when he walks off with 10, I was like, oh, oh, we're here. Here it goes. We're about to. Yeah. We're about to get there. And we knew what happened, but it was like this feeling of like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. We're there. We're there. <laughs> we're going to have to have to see this play out. It was just such mm-hmm. a moment, such a moment. Uh, yeah, it was, it was cool. And so, yeah, you get really excited. Like, where is this going to go? And yeah, Eleven goes to one of the other orderlies uh, to take her to the infirmary, to the nurse, so she can sneak out using that key card. I like that. He's like, well, she says, like, well, who says? Oh, God. <laughs> she snuck <laughs> off there. Uh, yeah, she goes down to the boiler room, meets up with one. I mean, we know who he is. Well, she doesn't know yet. But And then he expertly manipulates her into taking out the chip with the whole, you know, well, you have to go all on your own, knowing she is too afraid to be on her own that mm-hmm. she he is somebody who craves connection and needs connection to somebody needs relationship. And so to just throw it on her, like, Oh, yep. You're all on your own now because Papa put this chip in my neck and I can't go with you. Oh man. Isn't it such a bummer that this chips in my neck that if only somebody with powers could get this chip out of my neck, wink, wink. If, you know, if only uh, I didn't have this thing <laughs> in my neck. Hmm, yeah. <laughs> He's, um, but I mean, that's he's a little more it. manipulative than that. But yeah, but he knows. I feel like he knows what she's going to offer to do. And so whenever she does, you see that smile on his face like, uh-huh. mm, perfect. You know, he. <laughs> yeah, she played right into. I mean, she she is again. And and even though she's between the ages of six and eight in this in this memory, it's um, regardless of how old she is, she's still a young girl and a minor. Um, so mm-hmm. you can't really fault her for you know falling for this but i think it was so important to his plan the way that it all came together that he needed her to think it was her idea to remove that you know it was it was her helping him because she the way that he had set it up and was pulling all of the strings with again i we don't have confirmation but i feel like we can assume that he had a, a a hand in the bullying and, and helping it along to get to this point. Yeah. So, so that way he could help her and he could befriend her. So then she would then want to, well, you, you helped me and you befriended me because she, he, he did a good job of isolating her amongst all of her mm-hmm. siblings. And, but I'm your friend and I'll help you, even though it hurts me to help you. I get in trouble if if I help you. I'm, you know, still your friend, and I'm going to help you out of here. Um, so he needed her to think it was her idea. He couldn't ask her to do it. He couldn't tell her to do it. She had to come to that on her own. And it just made it even more kind of sad the way that he, you know, used used that against her and yeah. how he tricked her um, in, in that moment. Yeah. But yeah, even the words she uses. I mean. Would- realize what happened she goes you tricked me and mm-hmm. you could see the pain on her face and that but yeah before that i mean she removes the the chip thing which then i like that line where he's just like who knew something so small could cause so much trouble 
And I think it's it's a dual meaning of looking at the little chip in his neck, but also Eleven herself. Eleven. Uh, <laughs> so small, but yet so powerful. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that. Uh, yeah. So they go off, you know, then the guards find them. They go running and they get cornered. And so then Eleven starts to see what she actually has unleashed. Because, uh, yeah, he starts telekinetically flinging guys around and he does that classic, but oh, so awesome. Well, neck snap with the turn of his head. Just so brutal. I <laughs> love it. And again, again, I feel like I I, I feel bad for um, saying it, but it was a badass kind of it's cool. moment. It's so cool. It was yeah. it was just cool to watch. I mean, and what a freaking reveal when they get up from the mm-hmm. basement um, and, and they're caught there in the hallway and trapped. And he just you're just like, oh, shit. And then he just yeah like you said starts all of a sudden out of nowhere using his powers to fling the guards like they're nothing and does does the little neck twist and snaps that guard's neck and you're just like holy shit what just happened (laughs) it was such a great moment and a great reveal like uh, it was like i knew it i knew this dude was something and and he was different um it was so great so freaking great i loved it yeah uh, and, he's so good. and yeah, he tells her to hide and he'll come back and then reveals to her there in that like little broom closet thing shows her the tattoo that yes, indeed he is number one. So now she knows. Uh, and then Eleven's hiding out and he goes out to do whatever. Horrific. And then when the alarms start going off, that's, you know, Eleven goes to check out what's going on. And that's when she realizes what horrors really have been unleashed. Uh, she sees what one has done to all the other kids and really everyone in there. Even Brenner, even though he was only knocked out, um, she sees him too and is just runs to the rainbow room and, and sees him with two up on the wall and all the other kids. And it was just, that's that kind of really heartbreaking moment where she realizes, you know, you tricked me and this was all, it was like a revenge plot, vengeance plot and whatever, for him and then i love the way that they tell the i mean hey let <laughs> the other reveal to it vecna there's henry <laughs> one uh that they're all the same which i wonder because i remember you know your the past couple of weeks you've had your theories where you're like i think the orderly is henry and i think he's one so you got like two out of three did you see the vecna thing coming were you even thinking that <laughs> not before the episode but while I was watching it, I had a feeling that it was coming because I was like, just the way that it was playing out this uh, when Eleven finally uh, confronted him, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, I was like, I got a feeling. I got a feeling. And then, yeah, it yeah. was a full full reveal. I It wasn't until this episode, though, that I started to kind of get some feelings for that. But I, I yeah. thought. You just need to back off and let this play out. Don't let your thoughts get too far. Because I really just wanted to enjoy the moment. It was so freaky. God, this show, geez, I just, again, I'm not going to be able to to express myself thoroughly how freaking good this episode was and this freaking writing and the way that they spun all of this was so freaking amazing. Because that backstory sequence and reveal i it's just so masterfully done uh because they wove it together of one 
telling Eleven his backstory and what happened and what led to this, showing us the flashback scenes of young Henry and the family and Victor Creel. And then also with that, because Nancy is in Vecna's cursed mind prison at that time. We'll talk about that later. Um, And so what she's seeing and like, she's putting the pieces together because Vecna for some reason has let her into his mind like Max was. Mm -hmm. And she's seeing the pieces come together where she's realizing at the same time that who that that Vecna is Henry Creole is number one. Like she's learning these things too. Yep. And so it was just really cool how they wove it all together. And of course the 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 too long didn't read version, hopefully, um <laughs> you go pretty quick. But yeah, it means that story is cool. I mean, you know, we thought, you know, you could speculate it on some of it, but then to really see it all come together. Where, yeah, Henry was different, special. His parents were treating him differently, even to the point where his mother wanted to send him away. They moved him to Hawkins, probably because Brenner was there. Uh, because find that his mother was kind of behind the scenes wanting to take him to a certain doctor and to take him away. And so he takes it out on them, showing them the darkness within them, kind of building up this own hatred within himself to where he decides to kill his family, except for his dad, Victor, who... He planned to have, uh, you know, take the fall, take the blame anyway. And then the music helped him, of course, not die. And it kind of overpowered him a little bit. And so he learned there is that weakness to him. And he ended up putting himself in a coma. He wakes up under the uh, care, if you want to call it that, of Brenner being one of his subjects, which is where his mom wanted to send him anyway. And of course, we know what Brenner does. So, of course, that's not going to help Henry with his mental state. And he's building up all this animosity. And so mm-hmm. I think then, yeah, it just, he's the kind of kid turns into the kind of man who can sit there and plan and wait and plan and wait and plan and wait for this perfect moment for someone like Eleven to come along where he can use a certain power, find the right person. I just don't think he expected her to be able to outpower him in the moment with the tools that he gave her. I think he underestimated even the strength that that this part of the plan had. Uh, but it was just cool. We saw, you know, his obsession with spiders and clocks were explained to to one degree or another. I mean, there's just this, you know, the similarity with the Black Widows and a lot of, the, you know, the things about them that he found. But also with the clock is just this, like, desire to set himself free from the routine of human banality you know it's just this <laughs> right because he doesn't <laughs> these, see himself these kind of things yeah as mm-hmm. as like human and he sees himself as something completely different and he he doesn't yeah. want to be constrained by the same um you know life as as yeah all other humans are because he's special so yeah it's just cool. so then he wants 11 to join him in this mission to change the world uh really i mean let's just be honest mr supervillain you want to control humanity come on right. uh, <laughs> uh, just call it what it is but she knows she knows it's wrong and immediately tells him no and fights him um and i mean he did see that she was stronger and more special than the others in some ways and because of what he had taught her and these tools that she had given that he had given her she was even eventually able to overpower him. Um, I think he almost, I mean, he has the upper hand and, you know, you see her, her joints and bones kind of twisting and her eyes are bleeding and everything. And I think it's that moment where he almost kills her, giving her that sort of, 
you know, life flashing before your eyes moment. Exactly. He's that he's the one that triggered, did that. Yeah. Yeah. That triggered that strong enough memory and emotion to give her the power to defeat him. Um because she does, she's over, able to overpower him at that point, sends him into another dimension, probably creating the first ever connection to the Upside Down that mm-hmm. we know of. And he's banished there. And like I said, that's the reveal, is becomes the monster that we have come to know as Vecna. Uh, which is so crazy. And of course, good. on the other side, in, in real time, like I was talking about earlier, reliving these memories, finally, I think, has given her the power she's going to need to fight him again. Yes. But I think it was so. just all of it weaving together at the end was so cool. It again, just hard to put my thoughts together because it was so freaking good. I mean, <laughs> just brilliant. I mean, bravo to the Duffer brothers and all the writers um, for a, a, a job w- well done so far. And we're not even on the last two episodes, mm-hmm. but just this one and how they have brilliant, right. brilliantly <laughs> spun this story. And, and, and not just with this season, but going way back, you know, this, a lot of this goes back to season one and questions I had from season one, but the reveal I wanted to, you know, kind of talk a little bit about, you know, how we're finding out and what we saw from in this episode that was different than what was it? Episode four, the Dear Billy episode where we meet Victor Creel and kind of get the backstory. And but we're seeing it from his perspective. And it's what kind of made me suspicious um, watching that episode of, you know, as Henry Creel is recounting what happened to his family and so much of it visually was these flashbacks from his perspective. And as I'm watching, I remember thinking, because I did think it was so odd, like, well, why does his son survive the encounter? Um, You know, and and he was in a coma and then he, and then he later died. That's weird. So that stuck out. Um, And so all of these things that, you know, and as we see the wife up in the air, you know, we never see the son's face. He's always kind of in the background. We never get to see him or his face or what's going on in these um, big moments as Victor Creel is retelling it. Um, but in retrospect, it all makes sense. And you have to pay attention to the details. When they enter the home, the daughter is, yeah. she's super excited to be there. She's running up the stairs. Oh, it's so big. And the son, you see him. In this episode, as we get this new perspective, he's more reclusive. He's in the background. Um, And then even the father said during the recount, there's a a line there where he says, a demon closer than I'd realized. This demon takes pleasure in tormenting us, even poor innocent Alice. Um, And then as he's watching that visual of the, the little baby caught in the flames, he says, I suppose all evil must have a home. This all kind of points to like a problem child kind of scenario victor didn't quite spell it out that henry i mean he said oh he's a sensitive child you know he picked up on things that were kind of different about being the home and you know he's blaming it all on the house though um but really it's Mm -hmm. when henry's retelling it he's talking about how he was always different uh, they, you know, wanted to have him put away and his mother was starting to catch on to, you know, who he was. Um, then at the dinner table, you know, the, the son, you know, didn't seem to be too phased. And, and this is going back to Victor's um, 
retelling, you know, he's just kind of sitting there as his mother's flung up in the air and being bent to pieces. The daughter is freaking out. Victor's freaking out. The son is just kind of sitting there. I thought that was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and the camera also does in this moment focus on the daughter. And when they're trying to escape, um, he is kind of in static motion while the father and daughter are distressed. When he does come out of the trance, the camera focuses on the daughter again and her missing eyes. But there again, there's no injuries that are the same for Henry, which again was like, well, how did he get out of the situation? Why didn't he die or end up in the same way? So these were all things that definitely make sense now um, seeing this retelling. And it was so cool um, that not only are we getting this retelling as one or Henry, whatever we're going to call him at this point um, is telling the story to 11. We're then getting that visual, um, as Nancy's kind of reliving it as well. It was so super cool. Such a badass reveal to one, find out he's number one, two, find out he's Henry Creel, and then three, he's freaking Vecna. I mean, such a damn good villain. I mean, I'm digging this so much. Um, it was just super fun. And then you mentioned the fight. Um, I'm just I'm just going into like I think all my points because one was just the reveal and then um and then you you also mentioned the the fight between 11 and 1 which was kind of a small little separate point so yeah. I'll just add to what you said what I thought was really special about that moment when she finally does confront him I loved loved that as he's like you know we're we're similar join me you know we you know, we can do this together. And she just straight up just says, no, you know, there's not this (laughs) big, long, you know, freak out or explanation, just straight up. No. And like you said, he starts to be like, Oh, well, this is how it's going to be. And after she flings him and then they start to fight um, telepathically, which was super fun. I love how it really mimicked that, a circle game that the, the uh, Dr. Brenner had the, the children playing. Um, and then when he yeah. starts to overpower her, like you said, it kind of throws her into this. I, I like how you phrased it. Life flash before her eyes moment. She was using when she first flung him across the room, she was using that memory of, of anger mm-hmm. that he, like you said, had given her the tools to reach into, to kind of harness her power but in that, in this memory, yeah. in the way that she was able to overpower him and fling him into this other dimension in the upside down as we know it to be, it was a memory of love. You know, it was a memory mm-hmm. of when she was born and her mother telling her that she loved her. And of course, that was very short lived because we know Brenner immediately took Eleven away uh, and had told Jane that she had died, but she had that moment. And how in the world does she remember that? I don't know. Like she's literally just born and she can remember her right. mother telling her that she loved her straight from, uh, being birthed. I'm not going to try to explain that one, but she remembers it. Uh, but it was, that's like the power of love. That's, I think what was really special about that moment. It wasn't this, um, memory of anger and hate that Henry, uh, was using but of love and it kind of goes into the whole trope of the good versus evil um i think there um so yeah that was that was amazing 
And I almost kind of felt bad for him being flung into the upside down as he was. Um, he totally got palpatined um, being flung into the mm-hmm. <laughs> upside down with those lightning strikes. Right. And it was a little bit like mm-hmm. watching Anakin Skywalker when he was being burned and transforming into Vader, yeah. um, you know, and then through that transformation, we then I just imagine 11. <laughs> <laughs> you were my brother one. I loved you. I hate you. No. I know. It's what it felt like a little bit. I feel like a little Star Wars moment here. Um, uh-huh. I still got Obi-Wan on the brain, I think, and all the Star Wars goodness yeah. in, in, in my brain. Um, and then we get that, mm-hmm. like, if you didn't already know, as, as he's being flung into the upside down and through all of this, we do get that final confirmation is that, like, whatever those vine thingies are on him moves away from his wrist. And you see that, uh, number one tattoo on his wrist. I mean, freaking mind blown. I mean, just mm-hmm. brilliant storytelling. I love the way that they've weaved this whole story, um, and this reveal. And it was so, so good. And even though I was able to kind of as number one and that he was Henry, it was so good to watch it play out. I mean, for me, it's the journey, you know, um, so freaking good. Yeah. Um, I'm going to call that, that was my point as well. Um, I just had a- added to what you had, essentially. I think you mm-hmm. said it best. And I, at least for the moment, I don't think I have anything, at least for that, for the reveal and for their, their battle, um, at least for the the moment. Um Yeah. So anyway, yep, I'll call that mine. Wh- what number are we on? Was that your number three? Okay. Well, I'm going to also call that my number three as well. Um, so what's your number two? All right. Actually, for like the last two points, I kind of have all of our other Hawkins characters that are in two different dimensions. <laughs> um, all the other little storylines going yeah. on. <laughs> so I kind of broke it into like the two different dimensions, two teams. Um with their own little names. So I, I'll start with uh, the group that I called the Night Swimmers. Uh, <laughs> and that starts... I love your little nicknames yeah. for every... Because <laughs> <laughs> it starts with, with Dustin and his squeaky, nervous, little excuse voice, which is so great. I love that. You know, it's like, what were you guys doing? And he was like, where, where were you going? He's like, oh, we're just going on a little walk. He's like, to the lake. We were going to take a little swim. A little Night swim. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I'm just like, what is going Dustin, on? <laughs> you have to learn. That is an obvious tell for lying right. when your voice rises. Uh, <laughs> He's so damn cute. So I love funny. him. Um, yeah, Gaten Matarazzo is, is great. Still think back to, he was so much younger when I saw him too. Because I remember, I think I call, like, called babies. in or left a thing about uh, back when you and Sean were covering the shows. Because uh, he's a singer and a like a cover like rock cover band they do a lot of songs and they came through and played in dallas so i went and saw them and got to see him singing and and just rocking the stage back when he was i mean even younger he's just this cute little thing and it was just like (laughs) this kid is just rocking it um i know he's getting he's getting growing but yeah so i just think back to that because i was like yeah yeah i've seen this kid like grow up on the show and then yeah even when he was younger like in like the first like two seasons of the show going and seeing him sing in person at this uh, club i was like that's really cool uh <laughs> but, it is. but yeah because he 
he's really been cracking me up this season for sure. This stuff with Steve and then even, yeah, just, <laughs> oh, nice one. Uh, you just love it. Uh, <laughs> which yeah, Lucas, Dustin and Max are all not the best at uh, cover stories. Uh, you know, Nancy wasn't there. I mean, she was, but she left. It was, it was all very confusing, uh, but no Eddie, not that killer freak. We would, we don't even barely know that guy. Um, <laughs> so chief Powell is, over the nonsense and he's like we're questioning you one at a time max first so max is taken away for questioning and then we have dustin and lucas talking things out and then erica butting in um so like you know dustin says the others wouldn't be so stupid as to go into watergate without them or a plan um which of course then he goes i i overestimated them uh of course they were kind of forced into it uh going after steve but then yeah erica coming in um and threatening Lucas so that she could be let in on everything that's going on. What could be under Lucas's bed? The world may never know. Uh, but Erica that is has a question <laughs> that I'm okay not having answered, to, to yeah. be honest. I don't need to know what's under a teenage boy's at yeah. that age bed. I think we're nope, good. I'm good. I, I leave, and it's enough left to the imagination. Right. But yeah, Erica knows that's the right ammo because Lucas is going to immediately just spill everything. Uh, I don't know who Tina is, but clearly she's a blabbermouth. Um. Um, I feel like that when we first met Erica, that she was talking on the phone with Tina or she Maybe mentioned her. Um, I think it's her best friend. And yeah, probably uh-huh. a pretty big blabbermouth. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, then Erica's questioning, of course, leads Dustin to make quite a realization about Vecna and the gate and things. Like that's like she has no idea what she's talking about. It's like no, she doesn't. But it does actually bring up a good point, as they're, they're talking about you know that the gates and are, are opening where Vecna is making his kills. So his reason for yeah. targeting people is to open portals between the two dimensions, which means anywhere that he has killed, there's going to be a gate. That's very important info that they can end up using to help the other side uh, get get back together. That's cool. And then little details. Again, talking about Gate Matarazzo. Dustin rocking this 13th annual Craftsbury Banjo Contest from Vermont in 1986 t-shirt, which I don't know. I was like, it seems like such a random shirt for him to be wearing (laughs) in Vermont, this banjo contest. I was like, but I like it a lot for some reason. I was even looking it up online. Uh, I just like typed in like 1986, like, like Craftsbury Banjo Contest, which the event itself is a legit thing, is real. Uh, that is so cool. I didn't even pay any attention. I can't get past this thinking cap. <laughs> right, I like um, the thinking cap so much. Too. So I did, but I, yeah. I should be paying better attention because he's always he always has like fantastic like t shirts and yes. just funny geek references that it didn't even occur to me to pay any attention right. to that. Yeah, banjo contest, banjo festival. I love that. It's interesting. I was like, why is he wearing that? I know, and and in Vermont, because like they're in Indiana. Yeah. Did he go on vacation there? Right. Did they go up to New England for a vacation? <laughs> Why would he have that shirt? It just raises so many questions. Yeah. But it's random. But that, and I love it because that's Dustin. Oh, yeah. That shirt is quite a hot item online right now for those who want to buy it. Uh, oh, when I searched Craftsbury Banjo Contest, it was like there's like two things about the actual Craftsbury Fiddle and Banjo Festival. And then like a hundred things about here. Here's how to buy that shirt that Dustin was wearing in Stranger Things 4. Uh, <laughs> no yeah. way. 
So people were paying yeah. attention and said, we're going to make a shirt and offer it. Well, I have um, a Hellfire Club shirt on the way, nice, hopefully, nice. Um, yeah. within the next week or two. I hope to have it before we record on the finale so I can wear it yeah. uh, for the finale. So I at least will have that. I'll have a Hellfire Club shirt Dope. like um, uh, Eddie and the rest mm. of them have. So and you buy one of those too. That That's is cool. so cool that they think of that. I love yeah. the attention to detail. <laughs> uh, and then so then. Dustin asked, you know, what do Eleven and Vecna have in common? As just as he's brainstorming, and I was like, a lot more than you'd think, a whole lot more than you'd think. <laughs> I was just saying, uh, <laughs> way more than what you think. You are so on the right uh-huh. track there, Dustin. You just don't know. You're missing this little, little piece of information. Yeah. So uh, they they have the light bright conversation, which is in my next is in my next point. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to bright. that. But. Uh, yeah, so it leads to them all, and all meaning all of our kids and Hawkins, upside down or normal side, uh, needing to bike to Eddie's trailer to get to the gate that was opened by Vecna when Christy died. And then all the kids there at the Wheeler house are, can easily escape from Huey and Dewey. Uh, <laughs> that's easily oh done. Well, Ka- Aren't Callahan they is so weird. <laughs> oh, little pigs, let Officer Callahan in. I'm like, what are you doing? You... What kind of weird what role play that? thing are you doing, man? Like, you're, it's a little creepy. It's a little, I don't think it's it's it not creepy. giving the intimidating impression I think you're wanting to go for. It's giving a very different vibe. <laughs> it's giving a very different vibe. No one's taking you seriously. You are not putting forth any type of authoritative like figure uh-huh. at all that these kids are going to respect and right. listen to. And then maybe that's the point. Um, maybe for, but you know, still. It's, <laughs> terrible yeah and then i love the them, them running away and erica straight up slashing a tire on a cop car i was like yes erica <laughs> give it to the man um <laughs> just a small felony <laughs> right <laughs> small misdemeanor maybe <laughs> power to the people um it was great uh <laughs> so good and then getting to eddie's trailer and to the gate there more wetly captions of course we got to have lots of wet sounds uh and then something breaks through the go- the portal, through the gate. And it's Dustin with a broom handle. Bada, bada, boom. Um. <laughs> I thought for a split moment that my first watch, that that was where the episode was going to end. Yeah. Because it kind of went, went black, black for a for moment. A yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, Ooh! I was waiting for like the credits. Like, oh, my God, don't you freaking do this do to that? me. And yeah. yeah. Fortunately, it did keep going from there. But it was like, oh, my God, no. Yeah. Of course, that is where that point is going to end on, on, on black, on credits. <laughs> I will stop my point there. Let you go to what you it's want. A good, it's a good stopping point. <laughs> well, that was actually um, this kind of scene. I thought this was so well done. The uh, kids there at uh, the Wheeler house, um, the, we've, we've got the parents, uh, we've got the cops, um, and we got the kids, and they're trying to, uh, you know, figure out what's going on. Where have the kids been? Where's Nancy? Have they seen Eddie? Uh, why were they at the lake? You know, all these questions. I thought it was so well done um, with the kids all over the place. I love that Max ended up, they were like, she's mean. You know, she. <laughs> we shouldn't have went with her first. I absolutely love it because I absolutely adore Max. Um, one of, definitely one of my favorite characters. But honestly, it's hard to pick a favorite. Random tangent. Have you watched the Black Phone yet? Have you seen it? No. Now that it's out. Oh. It's on my list. No, no spoilers or anything. But it's good. That's that gave me a very vibe of uh, one of the characters of the Black Phone. This girl named Gwen, Gwenny, where 
Oh, really? <laughs> talking like Max? The police. Yeah, talking with the police where there's like, she's mean. <laughs> That's what it made me nice. think. Nice. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, I can't wait because, yeah. you know, um, that that movie stars <clears throat> Ethan Hawke, which yes. is, of course, the famous father of our beloved Maya Hawke, um, yeah. who is our amazing Robin in this show. So good little you know, tie in there. Um, God, I love Robin. I love, I was just saying, um, you know, I love Max. She's definitely one of my favorite characters, but at this point, God, I love everyone on this show. All of our, all of our kids and characters. I mean, we've got new characters that I'm totally digging. I'm really starting to dig Eddie. He, he had to grow on me a little bit, you know, but I definitely, um, he's definitely becoming one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, this, I loved all of this with the kids. Um, uh, stuck there at the Wheeler house trying to figure out what the hell to do. And I love Dustin in the bathroom. We've been collared by the law. I repeat, collared by the law. And I just laughed. I thought, who's, what is collared by the law? I don't think I've ever heard it put that way before. <laughs> I trying to figure out what he would, I don't know that I would know what that meant. If someone is trying to communicate with me, we've been collared by the law. Um, Mm-hmm. But I love we got this whole subset of our, our kids um, being questioned by the police. What's going on? And again, can they question them without a, a, an adult present? They take Max off to question her and there's no adult. There's no guardian. There's no parent. They just take off with her. And you even hear the parents in the hallway. Do we need to get lawyers? No, no, we don't. Typical answer. <laughs> I feel, um, you know, like, oh, no, no, let's not get the lawyers involved. We don't know anything just yet. Um, So I'm like, "Eh, whatever. Don't I just want to tell Max, like, don't you don't say anything. Mm -hmm. If you're not being detained, you don't have to say anything. Get a lawyer present. You don't have to speak. Um, The four words you need. Am I being detained? The answer is Am I being detained? Then there's no more words needed. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye. That is all you need to say. Goodbye. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if, if the answer is yes. Um, I want my lawyer. Those are the only four words you need to yeah, say at that four point. Four different words. Um, yeah. <laughs> just, we're out here just educating y'all. Um, yeah. And I love the moment between Lucas and Erica. I mean, I know that they've had uh, all time to get to know each other, you know, but man, these two, I think, really pull off a really great sibling relationship. Um, the way that she's threatening to reveal whatever it is he's got under his bed again i don't want to know let's just keep that between them two and then lucas finally giving in and telling her and he's like and if you tell anyone i'm going to smother you in your sleep i mean just i love those two um they play siblings perfect um and i do love how um you know our boy dustin he just, he's so good he keeps coming up with these theories um you know as eric is talking he's like Hey, that's a really good question. Why are these gates being opened and who's doing it? It's something we haven't quite fleshed out a lot on this show. And I feel like we've kind of questioned that, like what's going on a little bit. But his working theory um, is that the mind flayer is, you know, has is using Vecna, you know, acting as his general. But and I think he's only partially correct. I think part of what he's saying is true that there. Um, opening these gates because they want to take over the world. Um, but I think it's Vecna, not the Mind Flayer. I think that yeah, um, yeah. The Demogorgon and the Mind Flayer were working for him. And Vecna is the one that wants to take over. Mm-hmm. So that's what my theory is. I think Dustin is partially that's correct. That's probably a lot more... Yeah. I think that, yeah, Vecna being 
the leader versus the general, I think is a lot more because I, I don't think the mind flare is a problem anymore. They think he might be. I, I think they did kill him in season three. I think that it was the end of the mind flare. Uh, yeah, or at least defeated him to where he realized that he's not a a, a good, um, I guess, in his his thinking general to send out and do his bidding and and accomplish the tasks of like because he got pretty close there in season three. The mind flayer went and had the flayed and started to take over the bodies of people, and he was essentially starting to take over freaking Hawkins. You know, I think half the freaking population was eliminated in that process. Um, but of course they were defeated. Um, so I think he's, he's, his working theory is half, half correct. I think it's more Vecna yeah. though. Um, yeah. So anyway, and then, yeah, as you talked about, um, they, they finally get to communicate, but I wanted to just talk about the scene with the kids loved um, all of the conversations there. Loved the kids, love the interactions between the kids. And I love how they start to kind of put the pieces together and they do end up mm-hmm. being able to rescue um, the others stuck in the upside down. That was so great. I love how they got there. Um, well, I mean, that was my point too. So what, what are we on? Number two. That, that, was two. that would be my number one next okay uh, well what's your number one <laughs> which is the other side of that the upside downers um ha! where yeah um the episode started off right where we as last week i remember saying i hoped it would i needed to know uh because i was like you can't leave us with steve in mortal peril and then just Mm-mm. leave us there and then like move on somewhere so i'm glad we pick right there Nancy, Robin, no and Eddie show up in the nick of time and save him with some mad whack-a-bat skills. Uh, so that was great. And then, I mean, Steve still has a lot of badass in him as well. Uh, I really love the like final bat kill that he gets. He's like slamming the thing on the ground like Hulk with Loki. And then stepping so on it, pulling it in half with this like blood all dripping out of his mouth and everything. He's like, man, yeah. Steve's still got it. Uh, <laughs> Steve's a badass. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they're in the upside down dimension with a bunch of creepy murder bats. And then Robin is most worried about rabies. Because uh, <laughs> of course she is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we see that these murder bats are guarding the gate, uh, not wanting the crew to be able to get back through. Which, I don't know, that's probably not the best gate to go through anyway, because you're going to like dive into the bottom of the lake and then immediately have to swim back up. With, you know, like, that your would not be my favorite in. Um, so I think it's good that they found a different gate. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not a, I don't like the water. I have a, a, a fear of drowning in water. Uh, so I, I would Same prefer here. other, other way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so the whole swarm of more bats around the way. So they run into the woods and then although they're in the upside down, they're right back at Skull Rock. Uh, <laughs> Hmm. Where Eddie learns of all the hive mind stuff, so watch the vines. Uh, and they're trying to put together this plan. Uh, they want to get the guns. Of course, you know, why go all the way down to the police station when they can go to Nancy's? Because she has guns in her room, which blows Eddie's mind. Uh, <laughs> and then there's these earthquake things happening, lots of scary sounds. I was going to say, it's <laughs> funny, it blows his mind, but not anyone else's. Like, Steve's like, of course she has right. guns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I like, you know, the scary sounds from the distance and the earthquakes. And Eddie's like, yep, guns sound great. Let's get guns. (laughs) Uh, 
there was the little moment, you know, Steve's lost a lot of blood, so he's getting all woozy. And I was like, man, they show the wounds on him. I was like, those, those wounds are worrying me. So I'm not super happy with that. Uh, I don't know. Rabies might be the least of your worries. I don't know. Um, but Nancy's dressing the wounds as best as she can. And then I notice after she kind of ties him up, it's like, it's not too tight. And then they share this look with each other. And sorry, I know that other people feel differently, but, um, and I'm not typically a, a ship person. I can't stand to just use shipping as a focus. I just want good story. Ship names like Stancy make me want to gag. However, Same. <laughs> I'm just being honest, but, uh, but I have always rooted for Steve and Nancy. Um, honestly, I like them together better than her with Jonathan always, except maybe most of season one when he was Steve the D. But even though I'm not a big ship person, I'm like, Steve and Nancy just work better. And I like their dynamic together. So I'm one of the ones rooting for them. So I'm not much of a shipper. But if you want to go that route, I'm like, yeah, but I do want Steve and Nancy because they just they they gel really well. (laughs) And that's what I want. Uh, I I will second that. I'm I I mean, I feel kind of bad for Jonathan. I know technically they're still together, uh, but I, I definitely am rooting and it makes me a little worried. Um, mm-hmm. for their I think more for Nancy seeing how close we're getting maybe to Steve, you know Steve and Nancy getting back together but yeah it was a really great moment um, so following them as they're headed to the Wheeler house I loved Steve and Eddie talking to each other it was a really fun moment <laughs> it was a real Aussie move you pulled back there is it Ozzy? Ozzy Osbourne? Black Sabbath? He bit the head off of it? No, never mind. You know, it was very metal what you did. That's all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> I love that. And then the fact that Eddie's a little jealous of Steve because Dustin, like, worships the dude. Uh, and then Eddie points out to Steve that Nancy jumped in right after him immediately into the water. And so he sees the way that they are together. Even Eddie knows that they belong together. He sees, you know, whatever happened between them need to get her back. And I, I liked that a lot. I'm like, yes, Eddie, preach. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, they they go to the Wheeler house. They, we see the lights reacting a little bit on the normal side. And then on the upside down, Steve is hearing Dustin's voice. They go upstairs. Nancy grabs the guns, except it's just shoes that she got rid of years ago. Uh so the Upside Down is still in a time period of when Will disappeared. It's stuck from that day. She confirms that. She's going to her diary, and the latest entry is the, you know, the latest entry is November 6th, 1983, the day that Will disappears. Of course, I, uh, I didn't get all of it. There's a lot more, but I just grabbed what I could easily get off the top of that uh, diary entry where it says, okay, so Steve and I um, made up today, and Barb definitely knows now, but I guess I feel better with her knowing. That was all I, I just like pulled that off the top. I was like, oh man, yeah, we're throwing way back to season one on that. <laughs> I, I saw that too. I had to pause to read so I could get that too. But mm-hmm. yeah, and I have questions about that. I, you might be already headed there, but I definitely have questions about that date and what's going on there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have any more thoughts about it other than, yeah, it's like for some reason, yeah, it's like that's the day that Will was grabbed by the Demogorgon whoever and pulled over there and then it's kind of stayed frozen in that time period. I really don't know why. I don't know if we'll get an answer to that in this season or not. Uh, just kind of interesting. Um, however, speaking about Will in season one, I think it was super, super cool 
that all, all these years later, we finally got to see how Will con- uh, communicated through the lights to the other side. I mean, it's different characters, but we get to see that process with these energy particles or whatever that are around the lights. Really cool with Eddie doing the SOS with like the ceiling lamps and then Dustin's incredibly smart idea of using light bright for them to be able to spell words out and things. I man, that was just really cool to finally be like, oh, we get to see what it looks like from the other side and how that actually works. I'm glad they did that for us. Cause, like this is so cool. Uh, like I said, uh, I'm I'm just geeking out so hard on this episode because we're getting all of these moments that tie in that go back to a previous, I mean, all the way back to other seasons, but all the way back to season one, you know, like the tie in with the Christmas lights, we got to see how, like you said, how Will was able to communicate and how it actually worked, you know, with that cool little sparkly film, whatever it was over the lights and see how that worked. Um, I thought that was super cool. And then, you know, getting that origin story with one or Henry Creel and that being kind of the origin of this program, the Dr. Brenner, because it's like, I mean, I know I was thinking that and having those questions and see like, what is this and how did this get started and how did we get here? Well, we kind of saw a little bit of that. I mean, we don't know the full story, but we definitely got a picture. So it's just really fun how they, how far they've went back to, to kind of tie in, you know, some of these things and kind of answering questions and giving those yeah. little glimpses. I mean, just so well done. And yeah, the, the light bright specifically, I thought, was really fun. I had a light bright as a kid. Uh, it shouldn't have been as much fun as it was, but I, had a blast <laughs> it. I enjoyed it. I remember really enjoying it. But um, but yeah, that that scene was fun. Just like hi, hi, uh, you know, Eddie yelling. Eddie at, uh, was so but funny. Then he's been talking. Where Dustin, yeah, <laughs> you know, Dustin being like, "Why don't you guys go back through the water gate?" And then having these conversations like, "Water gate because it's in water and it's a gate." Oh, cute, you know. Uh, or how many times do I have to be right on the money before you guys trust me? Jesus Christ. This kid's got to get his ego in check. It's his tone, right? I, <laughs> that just cracked me up. Um. <laughs> I love to see it. I'm loving that friendship there between um, Steve and Eddie. And, and I love that they're both like so super annoyed at how much Dusty worships the other one. Because, you know, we saw so much of right. that with Steve early in this season, how he's super annoyed and jealous about Eddie and how Dustin is like, Eddie's so great and he's so cool. And and to come to find out that Eddie was actually jealous of him. I mean, I just I love it. I'm yeah. living for it. Everyone wants Dustin yes. as their friend. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I love the really cool effect. Again, like the the flipping upside down effect that the show likes to do they use this oh, one really cool so too good. we have dustin lucas max and erica riding their bikes down the street and then it flips upside down goes to the other side where we see steve nancy eddie and robin riding their bikes in the same place unfortunately on the upside down side one of the bat creatures sees them and alerts vecna which was not good and then i was wondering where it was going to go and then we don't even see where that goes until we see where that goes and it was so last second um which yeah i'll get to that because i mean you'll get dustin and erica <clears throat> laying out eddie's mattress which totally unknown stains who knows what those are um <laughs> we won't talk about it but they bring that mattress out for the crew to land on as they climb up and out of the upside down sounds crazy uh physics work like they hope they do which is pretty cool very trippy uh and they climb out one at a time and they're fun even robin and eddie say it's fun yeah robin goes eddie goes and then Nancy, fuck, 
<laughs> That's exactly how that went for me as watching. Um, she climbed through and then just fell into this black abyss. And I remember my first watch watching it last week after we recorded. And I was just yelling at my screen. I was like, wait, what? What the hell just happened? Why? What? Like, I was so confused and like holding my head. I'm like, what? Uh, what, what? And then when the realization of what happened hits you, it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> this last thing I want. I was like, this is, this is not good. Because uh, building up to that, I was so worried about Steve being the last person to climb out. Like the whole time, I'm like, what's going to happen to Steve? Don't make Steve go last. I'm scared about Steve. I'm still scared about Steve. That I didn't even consider something happening to Nancy, especially not a Vecna curse. And I'm I'm really pissed off that they did that to, to Nancy, but also freaking bravo. Uh, just I was like flawlessly, masterfully executed. Duffer Brothers. Because like I said, I'm so focused on worried about Steve that when they flip it and something happens, to Nancy, it catches you off guard, and I was mad and impressed at the same time. <laughs> yeah, so in this like Vecta curse mind prison that Nancy's in, I was like, no, was like, poor Barb still can't catch a break. All these years later, we still got to see her dead body and watch her death scene again. Um, <laughs> every season, it feels like, oh, remember this? Yes, well, we're gonna show it to you anyway. Uh, yeah, we have to relive. I guess I mean she's, that moment. Yeah, <laughs> which she's the big guilt that Vecna is able to to cling on to with Nancy, I guess. But man, yeah, just that. And that's where we're left with them. And like I said, I'm so mad about that, but also very impressed with the bait and switch on, on that. I thought that was really cool. It was, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I was not expecting that at all. I think because I've said it several times talking in this season, how, Oh man, they keep, I feel like foreshadowing Steve's death and I'm freaking out. Please don't. Ki- I mean, I don't want anyone to die. I don't want any of our, our um, gang to die. Um, but I was really freaking out about Steve. And like you, I was like, oh, shit. I didn't see that coming at all when she falls through and lands there in Steve's old swimming pool where Barb <laughs> met her and um, didn't see that coming at all. Um, now I am like you worried for Nancy, um, that I don't know how they're going to manage to, because she's stuck in the, she's like literally stuck in the upside down. And I think it was interesting the way that this kind of played out because, and I don't know if it's because Vecna's gotten stronger, you know, he, he seems to imply, um, when we see him at the Hawkins lab with 11, you know, he talks about how each life he takes, he gets stronger and stronger and stronger and how each person he kills Mm -hmm. is still with him. And which is why I think he was able to kind of gain some of the powers of those kids that, that, you know, the, the, the ones he killed there at the lab that I feel like he was able to kind of consume their powers. Um, I don't know that it's just dumb theory, but he says that they're still with him and he's able to gain power as with every person that he kills. Um, so I'm thinking that, you know, he's been dormant this, all all this time, whatever it is that he's been doing, um, but he's been, uh, killing the teenagers. He's gotten stronger that he was able to get Nancy without any other type of like warning or, you know, cause everyone else experienced visions, hallucinations. There was like a buildup to that. And with Mm -hmm. Nancy, it was just like instant, like she was climbing and then all of a sudden, boom, she's right there in that vision 
with him or, you know, stuck in, in that trance. And then she, and I guess it's because of that psychic connection, you know, like we saw with Max who, who got an, um, a glimpse of the old Creel house there in Henry's mind or Beckna's mind. Uh, Nancy was there too. And I guess, I don't know if it's that psychic connection that he makes with his victims or, or, or how they're able to see that, that side. Um, yeah. But yeah, I didn't see that, that coming at all. So that was very well played for sure. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, I mean, that's, that's my number one too, is kind of getting to see the upside down and um, how that played out. The bat fight was absolutely amazing. I love that we, we got started right with it because again, I know we were kind of freaking out cause that's where they left the episode. So I'm glad they picked up on it. Um, you know, I loved the whole, um, you know, Steve being a, a complete badass getting, you know, he's being choked out and he's being bitten. And then you've got Nancy um, and Robin and Eddie trying to fight off all the bats. I thought just the whole thing was great. Uh, metal, as Eddie would say, loved the whole conversation between Eddie and Steve, loved their little bonding moment. Um, kind of, I love that it's like kind of breaking down. It's like we, we were kind of talking about, or I was mentioning earlier with Hopper and Antonov, you know, at its core, they're kind of the same, you know, yeah, they're different people. They have different mm-hmm. interests. They hang around different people, but at the core, they're, they're kind of the same they're, They have a lot more in common than what they think that they do. I thought it was cool that we yeah. got more time in the upside down. I think this is probably the longest sustained amount of time that we've spent in the upside down across all four seasons. Yeah. And we got more details about this very dark world and kind of how it works. And like you mentioned, thought it was just very interesting. I don't know if it means anything or not, or if it's going to come back to mean something, but like you said, we found out that time is stuck in the Upside Down on November the 6th, 1983, which is the day that Will disappeared. What does that mean? Um, we know it was the date that he went missing and it was the date that the gate was um, opened. Um, so what does that mean? Does it mean anything? I don't know. It's questions I have. Um, but I, I love all of that. That was also my number one as well, was just all of this from the upside down and them being able to communicate and kind of getting to see what that looked like. We got more in this episode than what we what we have, I think, in um, all four seasons. So it was cool. Yeah. Well, I think that wraps our top notes. Do you have, or at least points, do you have any notes? Just uh, some little, little things. Uh Again, we get one tiny little scene catching up on uh, Agent Wallace, who's not doing so Good hot. night. Torture's getting yeah. pretty bad, uh, so it looks like he's going to talk. But he asks uh, Sullivan to promise that he won't kill Eleven. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't think he's going to hold that promise. Um, again, with Eleven, I just had like a little question that I kind of answered myself. Because we see that she's really struggling with the past that she assumed that meant that she killed all the other kids when she was thinking it was her before she went back in and Brenner convinces her to go back and find out what she finds out in this episode. And I was questioning it at first. I was like, I wonder, you know, why wouldn't Brenner just tell her the truth? You know, why let her think she killed them? Be like, but you got to go back and see more. But then like Henry one Vecna, the orderly, whatever, as he was telling her, that traumatic and emotional memory is what fuels the power. So she had to go in and see for herself and learn for herself. 
it would not have the right impact of Brenner just telling her what happened. She had to relive it. So I kind of answered that because I was like, man, he's really like leading her on and really drawing this out. But I think it had to be done that way because she's got to really pull that power from experiencing those emotions again. Yeah, she had to get there on her own. It wasn't something he could tell her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the only other note that I had was just pointing out there's absolutely no Mike, Will, Jonathan and Argyle in this episode. We do not see that crew at all. No, I'm assuming they are on, I guess, are they road tripping? Road tripping back to Hawkins? I guess I, I yeah, well, I guess they were done with what they needed in Salt Lake. And then are they headed towards the Nina base in Nevada? They have the coordinates that Susie gave them. That's right. Why would they Is go? Yep, you're next? right. Scratch, scratch what I just said. You're you're on point. I've I've already moved on from them because they weren't in this episode. So I just totally mm-hmm. wasn't even right. thinking about them. But good point. Yep, scratch what I said. Yep. They're they're headed to Utah. They have to be to um, find eleven. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Any other notes? Yeah, that's that's it. That's okay. all I had. You got through me. So I have a couple of small, small notes trying to figure out. I mean, I feel like we've gotten a little bit of Henry slash Vecna's motivations a little bit. But I know I've asked the question, like, what the hell has he been doing all this time? Uh, from 1979 when Eleven banished him or whatever whatever you want to call it uh, to this other dimension to the upside down. Has he just been building his strength? Has he been planning and plotting on how to get back to the other side? I think I think he wants to kill Eleven because she poses the biggest threat to him. Do you think that as well? That he... He wants to kill Eleven because she, she can. She's powerful enough to stop him, and I think he's fr- also. I think yeah. frightened of her because she was the only one person that was able to defeat him. Yeah, I think what he's been doing this whole time, we've been seeing. I think we kind of hinted at that. That it's kind of the opposite of what Dustin was thinking, where the mind flayer is in control and Vecna is one of his minions or whatever. I think, like we talked about that. I think. I mean, we saw when when Henry was thrown into the Upside Down, it was nothing but mountains and clouds and lightning. Mm-hmm. There was nothing there. So I think this could be just like a crazy reach shot in the dark. But I think the Upside Down, as we know it, is a creation, a world built. He wanted a world that he could control. And I think the Upside Down is something that Vecna himself could have created. And mm. the Demogorgons, the Demodogs, Mind Flayer, all of that. You know, we see in the Upside Down, everything is that hive mind, hive everything's mind. connected. Mm-hmm. What if it's not the hive mind of the Mind Flayer? What if it's the hive mind of Vecna, of Henry, of one, that he kind of is the control. He's he's the final boss, uh, that maybe I... we don't defeat him in this season, and he's still the big bad for season five. In a yeah, big the big too. bad. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I feel like I subscribe to that theory as well, that I feel like... Vecna is the one that's the big bad of the Upside Down. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know that he... Clearly, I guess, whatever this dimension is or whatever it was, the origins were there. That We see that when he is um, thrust through the gate. But I do think that that makes sense that whatever is there now, as far as it being in this mirror image of Hawkins, is because of him. He's... He's made it that, I think. And I think that he is the control of the hive mind. Um, 
but and and yeah. I'm so I thought maybe the Demogorgon could take care of his beef with L and then it yeah didn't. so he created the mind flayer and was like well let me infiltrate her friends and let me get to her this way and let me get through the whole town and that still didn't work so it was like a Thanos moment maybe <laughs> fine I'll do it <laughs> myself right uh, <laughs> yes. Yes, because you're right. Yeah, she uh, eleven defeated the Demogorgon because maybe he sent the Demogorgon after her to kill her. She defeated that, so he sent the Mind Flayer. She defeated that. He tried again using the Mind Flayer in season three, by the but this time um, assembling like physical form of the Mind Flayer from these dead bodies, from all the bodies there of Hawkins. That didn't work out. And now in, in this season, we finally see who I think uh, is the man behind the curtain, Henry Creel or Vecna, who's uh, hunting the teens and Hawkins. And I mean, do you think that he's doing this to try to lure Eleven out of hiding? Because we know that she's in hiding. Do we think that he's doing this to lure her back so he can then confront her again? That and- or, yeah, that, or if he knows that he took her powers away in season three or yeah, the mind flayer did through whatever right trauma or whatever that now this is the time for him to be attacking and build his own power up and open these portals back you know and and kind of tear that veil between the dimensions to where he's like oh this is my moment she's weakened now i i can i need to get my control back over the other dimension maybe he doesn't know that she is powering back up for the lack of a better phrase you know so I, he might be thinking this is my time because she's out of the way now and not expecting that she's going to come back in full force. That's what I thought, too. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure where I'm landing yet. I'm just I feel like there's mm-hmm. um, but I think that that's possible, too. I wonder that, too. I'm like, well, maybe he doesn't even I mean, he can't I don't think know that she's trying to get her powers back, but he knows that her powers are gone. So like you said, this was a opportune time for him. Now it's time for me to strike to start building up my strength so I can start busting all these gates and then start making my my big move to take over because Eleven has no powers and can't stop me. Um, so I, that that probably makes more sense. The cut between the groups on the bicycles, so freaking good. I definitely got a Nightmare on Elm Street kind of vibe with Elle in the basement there at Hawkins Lab. Um, that was very Freddy Krueger boiler room for me. Definitely got some mm-hmm. poltergeist vibes when Dustin uh, and the group yeah. throw that sheet up through the. Se- it's total poltergeist. If if you yeah. if you know you know. I thought that was so great. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, so I thought that was a, a fun little callback. But loving loving all the callbacks. I'm sure there's probably a lot more I'm missing. I feel like I'm I'm just so. It was hard for me. Um, you know, I always do the first watch as a fan. It's a fan watch, right? You just watch and enjoy mm-hmm. and have a good time. And our second watch yep. is always the notes. And um, it was so hard to like focus to take notes because I kept just so engrossed in the story and in watching that I was like, oh, you dummy, you're supposed to like, you need to take some notes. You got to pause here and, and uh, get back. You know, you got a <laughs> podcast on this. I was just so engrossed. Um, I had to keep reminding myself that, you know, because I was just getting so swept up in the freaking episode. It was so good. Yeah. Okay, well, that I think that was, I think, I mean, we could, I know, talk for hours, um, but I know if you're like me, you're wanting to get onto the next episode. I know I do. Um, I think that's a mm-hmm. good, good. Sp- wait. <laughs> I know, I'm so excited. Um, I think that's a good place to stop. So, 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. I don't, as far as news, again, I think we're going to have more news uh, as the episode, uh, as we finish the season. But I did happen to see one non-spoilery thing that I thought I would share uh, with everyone, just a quick little um, news item. So on the off chance that Vecna truly does uh, take out Hawkins or wherever you're living um, and manages to shift our universe, whichever, whatever happens, um, I thought it was interesting to just share with everyone that Stranger Things has actually teamed up with Spotify to create a personalized upside down playlist for their fans. So, of course, we know that there was a, a really insane reaction to Kate Bush's running up that hill. Right. And in the genius way that the Duffer brothers do, they used that track to weave season four, volume one's storyline between the episodes um, that they decided the fans deserve their own anti Vecna anthem. So if you, um, they, they posted it on their Twitter. So if you do follow um, the, the Twitter uh, for Stranger Things, uh, they did reveal their collaboration with Spotify, introducing fans to personalized curated playlists that could indeed save them from Vecna. Hint, the first song on the list equals your savior song. It has a name. It's called your savior song. Isn't that cool? That is, so, I, have, I have looked at that. that oh, did you? Myself. Good. Um, I don't remember what it was. Okay, right right now, because I think it's changed a little bit since the last time I saw it. This is, mine's changed since I looked at it. Yeah. Right now, mine is Serotonin by Girl in Red, number one, <laughs> which is such kind of a depressing song in itself a little bit. So, like, it is a song about, like, coming to grips with mental health. So, I mean, I guess it's not a bad choice. Uh, but I do like how then they also throw in, like, other Stranger Things soundtrack songs, like Master of Puppets is in there. Uh, should I Should I Stay or Should I Go? is in there running at that hill is in there itself like this <laughs> but yeah that's fun yeah so if if you're interested um then you should definitely um check that out so i don't remember what 
mine was. I think I had it and then I lost it. I don't know. I'll reveal. Savior by Rise Against is on mine, but it's not the Savior song. Interesting. Um, (laughs) Well, definitely um, go check that out. I think if you go on the on the Twitter post, um, it will take you through that. So um, it will take you then the link to Spotify, and you can if you don't already know it. I know we've had a lot of listeners um, write in to tell us what their Savior song would be. Um, and that's super fun. Keep can you know keep doing that. I love hearing it. Um, but if you're not sure, check out that uh, Spotify list. Yeah. All right. Um, well, let's get into listener feedback. We have a lot of listener feedback this episode, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, without further ado, you want to take that first one? All right. First one comes from Alma Contreras. Says, OMG, this episode was everything. I loved how Henry revealed who he was. And I gotta say, he is probably one, if not the most evil villain of all time. I also loved how they did the flip showing the upside down as both sets of kids were riding the bikes. Now you know I'm weak and I binge the whole I binge watch the whole thing when it drops. So I rewatch episode by episode to be right along with the podcast. That being said, I have been enjoying listening to y'all trying to piece it all together while I say to myself, ooh, either so close but still a little far off. <laughs> I love that. Uh, can't wait to hear your thoughts on this episode where pretty much all is revealed. Personally, I was mind blown the first time I saw it. Such a good episode. P.S. The song I would pick to save me from Vecna is Save a Prayer by Duran Duran. Oh, good choice. That's great. Thank you, Alma. Next, we have uh, Don Elizabeth. She says, what an awesome episode this was. I'm so impressed with all of it. There was the usual odd groupings that we uh, have all come to love. Eddie, Nancy, and Robin saving Steve in the Upside Down. Thank goodness. Dustin, Max, Lucas, and Erica in the real world working things out on their end. I loved how Nancy figured out how to communicate through the lights and how Dustin figured out how to use the light bright. The cinematography, is that the right word? Uh, was so good. I love how they paired scenes like the one in the Upside Down with scenes in the Wheeler House and in Eddie's trailer, and especially the bike riding scene of all eight kids in their two different locations by flipping the entire picture over to show where they were. I thought that Murray's drive into the prison was so grim and gave me a better idea of how horrible the place was. The way the kids got out of the Upside Down was the best. Whoever came up with that had a great imagination. When Hopper finally saw that Joyce was there, I felt like the Grinch. My heart grew two sizes in that moment. <laughs> I can totally imagine his disbelief at seeing her and then realizing that she loves him. And that look on his face when they were hugging was perfect. Sigh. I knew that the orderly in the lab had uh, had something going on. I am strangely attracted to that actor. I always liked the bad boys. <laughs> same <laughs> when i googled him i realized that i've seen him before in twilight and shadow hunters i thought when he was telling l about his past his acting was superb i got a bit confused at first i thought that he is vecna but then reconsidered since he saw henry with l at the same time that vecna was with nancy he was the first person vecna looked, uh, took hold of due to his being a troubled child Maybe you address this in the podcast, or maybe we'll find out more. And I'm not sure why he didn't kill Elle as soon as she took the chip out. Another great flipping scene was the one with Elle, uh, with the orderly, and Nancy with Vecna. Now that Nancy saw a clock in the Upside Down, does that mean she's been infected? Vecna went after her for the death of Barb, so it seems like she might be next. The fight in the prison with the Demogorgon was so brutal. Those poor guys didn't stand a chance. This might be a really stupid question, but do we know why Brenner has been training these kids? Has it been to fight Vecna and all the other baddies all along? 
Sorry if I'm asking something that's been obvious the entire time. Just as an aside, are there any fillery fans here? Every time I've seen a clock, I've wanted to ask. I'm so looking forward to hearing your thought on this one. Also, I meant to say thank you to the Russian listener who has commented on the show and the authenticity of the language. This show is just so darn great. Nice. That's great. Yeah. Um, so, uh, if you don't have some answers or questions answered uh, from from <laughs> listening to this podcast, then yeah, uh, Henry one. Vecna, all the same person. Uh, we get the, like the the one tattoo on him at the very end. We see a Vecna is. So um, yeah, Henry. What happened to Henry when he was a kid was just his own abilities and powers that uh, kind of drove him, and he kind of had a darkness within him that he used those powers for for evil. That he became Vecna through that. Um, yeah, we don't really know. Evil, but yeah. <laughs> It pretty much was. Uh, so, yeah, so as far as Brenner, what he was training those kids for, really like what, what Henry, or number one, said was just so that Brenner could, like he told uh, Eleven, I think he was kind of telling mostly the truth. It was to be able to control those kind of powers. And when we see he's using them to be able to remotely spy on Russians for certain information and things. I mean, I think... Brenner is that kind of selfish guy that, yeah, he was just wanting to be able to control that kind of power to use it to sell to the military or for for things like that. Uh, I think really that is what that was. <laughs> yeah, it's it's never been completely spelled out, but we see glimpses of that in season one um, a little bit um, with kind of getting to see Eleven's time there at the lab. Um, so probably has something to do with that, but I don't think it's been specifically spelled out. Maybe it will yeah. now that we're getting some origin stories there. Um, again, kind of getting that origin story of one and that program. And yeah, Henry's just, uh, we don't know his origins. He just happens to have this like same or similar, it would, I mean, very much the same abilities as Eleven. I mean, it's uncanny, the abilities that they have to be able to use telekinesis. And when you see one, mm-hmm. how he's attacking the people at the lab is very much like what you see Eleven do in season one in the school uh, when the soldiers are coming. I mean, she is able to do like the same things. But anyway, we don't know a lot about Henry other than he has these abilities. We don't know where they came from. Where were they before they came to Hawkins? How did he get his abilities? Um, We don't know a lot and it may not be that important, but it's kind of the origin um, for that program. It's interesting. I love it. I love those details. Thank you, Don. Yeah. Very much. Uh, the next one is from uh, Tiffany Thabalt. It says, watching now with my 15-year-old son, not been good at keeping one episode at a time, pressured by the teenager who wouldn't be able to share with his friends who benched it. <laughs> hey, I get it. <laughs> get it. Uh, love the Walking Dead callback with the sheriff deputy using the little pig line from Negan. This season is so good. And I'm glad I can share it with my son who is now old enough. Wish episodes were released weekly to avoid being spoiled, but luckily it does not spoil the podcast. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Our good friend Lindsay Schlick says, holy episode, that was a lot. This could have easily been a season finale, which makes me legit freaked out for the actual finale in a few weeks. Where to start? The four caught and the upside down were predictably awesome. The light bright scenes were a nice callback to the lights in season one and visually very pretty. I'm glad Eric is in the mix with the kids now. The Demogorgon battle was wicked, way more gory than I expected from this show, but this whole season has been brutal. The reunion between Hopper and Joyce was wonderful. 
can't help but wonder uh, now how they plan to get all of them out of pr- out of the prison. Well, I'm not sure I knew the orderly was Vecna. I felt like he had something to do with Vecna. The reveal that not only was he one, but also Vecna, and therefore Vecna is one, and that he's Victor's kid blew my mind. Rima, I'm listening to your episode five now, and you were dead on with your predictions. While we always suspected as much, I'm glad to know Eleven was innocent of all the killing at the lab. I absolutely love how everything was revealed, how he learned about the connections between Eleven, Vecna, and the Upside Down, and how beautifully the story is coming together. So many good shows piss out the end, <laughs> but this show <laughs> it seems like it's gearing up to a fantastic and <laughs> well-done ending. <laughs> These last two episodes should be crazy. We've got Nancy and Steve still in the Upside Down and Nancy under Vecna's spell. Joyce, Hopper, Murray, and Jockin stuck in Russia. And what now with Eleven? Holy cow, I can't wait. I just love this show so much. <laughs> I do too, Lindsay. And damn it, you got away with words. So just <laughs> thank you so much for that. Yeah, thank you. All right, we've got an email here going back a couple episodes from Maria. It says, I just watched the Nina Project last night. The voice of the orderly is very similar to Vecna's voice. Hmm, I wonder why that could be. Hmm. I bet we figured out by now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's connected to what happened to all the kids. Maybe Eleven defeated him and sent him away in that, conf- in that conflict, but doesn't remember. Hmm, maybe. Also, on rewatch of Dear Billy, I noticed a large gravestone with the word Byers written on it as soon after Max goes into the Vecna trance. It was Myers. Because I, I pointed that out, I think it's a Michael Myers reference. I think that mm. was him there. But um, she goes on to say, is this a clue as to who may not survive the season? I hope not, though. Um, I went back and did a rewatch of the previous seasons, and the clock gong is used multiple times, but also the TikTok, like you noticed, including one more I picked up in season one, episode six. With about five minutes left in the episode, when Eleven remembers touching the Demogorgon for the first time. You can very clearly hear the tick-tock of a clock in that scene. Loving the coverage, even if I'm not quite on the same watching schedule as you all. I posted this on the Facebook feedback, but also wanted to email you all to let you know just how much I appreciated your podcast. It's encouraged me to watch things like Haunting of Hill House, which I never would have watched. My big horror movie chicken. Because I knew you all would be there to break it down for me by the light of day and make it less scary. Now on to the next episode, Maria. Aw, thanks, Maria. It's lovely. A quick note, uh, email from Angie. She says, Steve can twirl a flashlight as good as he twirls a bat. The boy has skill. Love the podcast. (laughs) Thanks, Angie. And then this one comes from Elizabeth. Says, hi, Reman Pake. I'm loving your podcasting. A little intel on Steve's chest hair. I heard in an interview that he waxed for the first season or two. For the lake scene, that's all real. Oh, behave. Austin Bauer's voice. That's great. Oh, behave. Uh, <laughs> anyway, someone does say tubular this season, so I'm still relevant. Oh, well. <laughs> totally tubular in California, Elizabeth. I love it. <laughs> That's so great. You're always relevant, Elizabeth. Yes. Thanks. That was fantastic. Uh, email here from our good friend Daphne and Pake's other co host. She says Hi, Rima and Pake. What a finale. Ending volume one with the Henry. One, Vecna reveal was incredible. While Elle was not the person who killed everyone at the lab in removing Henry's Soteria implant, she unknowingly released him to unleash his evil upon the children and staff, creating the massacre. 
This will haunt her, I think, and she will feel some responsibility for their deaths. While Elle, in a sense, created Vecna, she didn't create the evil inside him. She just changed his form. Having Nancy view Vecna's past and story of becoming who or what he is was surreal. The dream state was so much Nightmare on Elm Street, complete with her being named Nancy. Ah, yes. Good, um... Good call there. Um, she goes on, Vecna feeding on Nancy's guilt of losing Barb and not being there when she needed her the most was so true to Vecna uh, feeling on all the bad things that have happened. On a somewhat related note, a group of friends and I are playing Dead by Daylight, and it was announced recently that the company may renew their license agreement with Netflix and Stranger Things. Originally, a Demogorgon and two characters, Nancy and Steve, were available. My thoughts are, while it would be great to see Vecna and other characters, I think think we all hope they ditch the Hawkins lab map and come up with something a bit more fun. Most indoor maps suck. Trying to get this to you before I board a plane. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Daphne. Oh, that was so good. Yes, and she's boarding a plane because me and her are spending all day tomorrow hanging out in Dallas. I heard. So, I'm so excited. Cool. So excited for you guys. She's coming to town, so it'll be it'll be a fun time. Here comes so trouble. See some good things. Yeah, we'll have a good time. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be great. I'm excited for you guys. I expect to see some pictures. Um, but that was great. You know, I had the, when she mentions in her email, um, I meant to like bring it up earlier, but yeah, and rewatching the episode really kind of brought it all back. You know, when Brenner comes busting in after Eleven has uh, defeated Henry. Um, in that scene, you know, while she wasn't directly responsible, she is not the one that did what Henry did to those kids. We know it was Henry, but when I think when he says, what did you do? It wasn't like the, the massacre of the, the people there at Hawkins lab. I think it was the, what did you do by she's, she's removed that uh-huh. chip that essentially suppressed his powers. It kept him prisoner. So she has inadvertently caused it. Yes. And I think she is going to, I think um, have some tremendous, guilt that's really good um i'm glad that you mentioned that daphne kind of brought that back to to my memory thinking that like she wasn't directly responsible but she she was certainly responsible for that part and certainly was responsible for unleashing as we know vecna today Mm -hmm. um thank you so so much for that feedback we got a lot of calls um so let's get into that one um Give me one second here to find the first one. First one that we have is from Mike from Cincinnati. Let's see what he has to say. Hey, guys. Mike from Cincinnati here. And it is June 30th as I'm creating this message, uh, the last day of Pride Month and the last day before the final two episodes of Stranger Things comes out. And I thought this would be a good time to just record a quick theory about Will. Um, I'm not really sure what his painting is exactly, um, but I do think that it has something to do with the fact that he's gay. And I know a lot of people um, are, they get like crushing vibes out of him for uh, Mike. Like they think maybe he's got a crush or something there. And I actually kind of, I don't, think that that's outside of the realm of possibility, but kind of what I'm thinking is that he just really views Mike as his best friend or like the best friend that he has. And I think my theory is that he wants to come out to Mike and because he just trusts him and he just like, he wants Mike to be the first person that knows who he really is. And, um, 
And I think the painting has something to do with that. Um, I'm not sure exactly to what ends that that would all be happening other than, you know, just purely the will wanting to come out to somebody part. But um, that's kind of my second go through of the fourth season. That was sort of the vibe that I was getting out of it. So um, I'll be curious to see what comes of it. Um, and um, <clears throat> I just thought today, the last day of Pride Month, would be a great day to um, record this. And also we'll know probably by tomorrow. Most people will know. So that's my theory. Um, and we'll see what happens when uh, the episodes drop tomorrow. Uh, looking forward to your guys' episode. Talk to you later. Bye. I like that theory. And yeah, I, I do too. Him saying that makes perfect sense. Um, and you know what? I think, I think you might really be onto something there. Um, I know I thought for a while, oh gosh, he's, he's got to be crushing on my, and it's not important at all. Um, but I think that makes perfect sense, especially when we got that one scene between Mike and Will, where he's talking about, you know, well, you, you, how he's kind of talking about wanting to like reveal feelings or about, you know, mm-hmm. how you think you know someone. And, you know, um, I, I think he did kind of want to come out to him because, yeah, they're best friends. And, he would be the person that he would trust to share that information with. Right. Um, I like yeah, that theory. I think but, you might be dead on Mike. I, I, I think that's a good point. Yeah. That we, we've been wearing, like wondering what this painting is and it could just be a self-expression of will. Cause I was like, it would be a little weird. It's like, Hey buddy, look, I painted you. I love you. That I, I think will's got more tact than that. So yeah, yeah it could be just a very self-expression kind of painting. And will's just, or Mike's just the person that he, trusts and loves as a friend enough to to be the person that he wants to come out to and i think i don't know if they're going to go that route um but i think if they do it would be a beautiful moment i really do think it would be i think it would at least i would hope so (laughs) i agree and maybe that's his way maybe by showing him the painting it's it's instead of will saying the words i'm gay uh maybe the the painting is would would be that in that expression, if you will, it's a visual, um, instead of the verbal, um, you know, maybe that's how he would, because Will is an artist. I mean, it makes sense. Will's been the artist of, you know, um, all of the kids, you know, they've, they've referenced it many times. Um, so it would make sense that he would choose to express something like that in a visual artistic way instead of like verbally. Yeah. So I think that makes perfect sense. I think it would be beautiful. And I think what a great way to kind of end there. I know as we're recording this, it is now July, um, but I think it's a beautiful way to end there on a high note with, with pride month um, there at the end of June. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate that. Okay. We have another call from our good friend, Greg. See what he has to say. First, Steve. And now Nancy. No, please. God, No. Hey guys, this is Greg. Uh, yeah, uh, last week I was a little bit too traumatized uh, with fear for Steve um, and that I couldn't keep watching to send any response. So you guys covered it pretty good. Um, uh, I gotta give you props, Rima. Like you were pretty much dead on. Number one, also Vecna, all of the things. Although the I thought that the reveal that that was how the original gate was opened. Uh, by L getting rid of number one was really, really neat. And like that kicked off this whole, oh, hey, we just now discovered this portal to another side or whatever. Um, 
I thought it was really cool, a really cool reveal, and although very what, explainy, is that what it's called? Um, expositional. Uh, very expositional uh, there, that whole, although the visuals on top of it, I did feel like they kind of explained everything in like every minute detail, um, but I guess if I hadn't been listening to you guys, I might have needed someone to explain that to me. Um, all right. Anyway, yeah, I really like it, and I really enjoyed it, and I'm glad that episode eight is out so that I can watch it in the next 24 hours. <laughs> all right. Bye. Yes. <laughs> so cool. Thank you, Greg. As always, mm-hmm. you have a way with words. All right. Gosh, everyone's just... I'm loving seeing my inbox just full. Um, next voicemail we have, sorry, yes, voicemail, voice message, if you will, from our dear friend, Anwen. Let's see what she has to say. Hey, Rima and Pike. Oh my God, what an episode. This was so awesome. And Rima, you were right. The creepy orderly. It was amazing. I could kind of see how he could be one and also kind of see how he might be, um, Creel's kid but the reveal that Creel's kid became Vecna was incredible and so creepy and then once um, Al and he were were kind of throwing down in the lab I thought oh my god she is going to be the one that opens the gate and sends him back through but to watch that happen was so satisfying incredible um, I love the transitions in this episode um, between each of the scenes I felt like it flowed a bit better than last time especially when they were in the upside down and then it transitioned to um, the Russian prison and you could see the snow f- um, falling down that was really cool I love how the kids aren't stupid. They figure stuff out quickly in this, um, especially Dustin. He's really clever, and I love that. Nancy being taken by Vecna was a total surprise. When they had the the bedsheet ropes coming down between our world and the upside down, I thought, oh, God, the two girls are going to go up, and then the boys are going to get stuck down there. But when um, when Vecna took Nancy, that was real surprise, and I loved how... Um, they kind of use that um, as a storytelling method alongside what was happening to Al with Vecna as well. Hopper and Joyce reuniting was so moving. I loved the little slow kind of pan they did around with the camera from Hopper when he sees Joyce for the first time. It was beautiful. And um, is it just me or is Steve kind of hot? I always thought he was cute, but sweaty, shirtless, <laughs> rabid, back-killing Steve is pretty hot, right? <laughs> Um, are the parents going to find out what's going on? I really hope they do. It's starting to feel a little bit crazy that all the stuff has gone on in the town and the parents don't know anything about what's going on. So I'm really hoping that um, they do actually find out what's happening and how brave and amazing their kids are and that they're not little juvenile delinquents. Um, and I'll leave you with my favourite song, which I would have playing um, if I was ever under threat from Vecna. And that... <coughs> <clears throat> that song is, excuse me, is With or Without You by U2. It has been my favourite song since 1987 when it came out. And I challenge everybody to go and put on a pair of headphones and listen to this really loud with your eyes closed. It's such a simple song, but it's so beautifully constructed with all the parts. It starts out just with a drum beat and this little kind of ringing guitar um, from my buddy The Edge. And then the bass line comes in it's so beautiful it's very very simple it's just four notes um played eight times each and then repeated um 
but it's so beautiful and then the voice comes in and of course it's just an amazing song so there you go that's what to play if I'm ever in danger from Vecna um thanks so much guys and thanks for your kind wishes yeah I'm I'm on the mend um now we just have to try and not binge the last two episodes now they're out thanks so much uh, can't wait to hear what you guys have to say bye as always thank you love hearing from Anwen always oh my gosh <laughs> I love her so much she's so great and I'm glad that you're on the mend and I think mm-hmm. I could have very much predicted that um, a U2 song was going to be her savior song from Vecna yeah yeah yep. knowing her yeah. <laughs> yep. I love it. I'm glad to hear you're doing a little better there, Anwen. Um, hope you mm-hmm. recover quickly. And thank you so, so much for that be- uh, voice message. Always a pleasure. Um, all right. Our final um, voice message of the night belongs to our dear friend, Steve Brown. Let's see what he has to say. Hello, Peck and Rima. This is Steve, and this is going to be for episode seven. I just finished listening to the podcast for episode six, so now I get to listen to watch. I get to live Steve episode seven, which is the massacre at Hawkins Lake. Oh, that doesn't bode well. Oh, I just realized it's Hawkins Lab. We've already seen that. I don't know what my Vecna song would be. It's hard. Maybe something from Survivor. You know, some 80s thing. Y'all were right. They're saving Steve. Oh, the old coat classic. This interrogation scene is hilarious. This one's an hour and a half or over an hour and a half. And see, I have guns, plural, in my bedroom. All these two guys, Hopper and what's his name, Ivan, uh, bonding over child rearing. This scene, this lineup here must have happened before they did the bullying, but after they beat her up the first time, right? And now Steve and Eddie bonding over being badasses. And Dustin's worship of both of them. Wow. And another Eddie deeply romantic, even though he said he's got cynical eyes. Dun dun. They're in the past. A good fake out with the Russian warden there. <laughs> you have many screws loose. Seems like we're going to get to find out about your theories. We might get to see what really happened with Eleven and the bullies. He's in the memory, right? Or she's... This isn't a memory. Well, I don't understand because we saw her escape, but now this is a new memory or I can't, I'm not sure with this orderly guy. Do you think all the gates will be guarded though? Not just the water gate? <laughs> None of these guys are good at watching kids. They need to take some lessons from Steve. Maybe this is the actual memory of the night she really escaped in the first season. Dang, that thing is wicked fast. Faster than the other ones we saw. About time, Hopper. Yeah, throw the thing in its mouth. All right, now drop a ladder down. What's gonna? You know it's gonna be Dustin up there. There's still a half hour left. It really is number one. Okay, that didn't work the same way for Nancy as it did for the others. No, she's gonna find Barb's body because she's in the pool. Yep. Okay, that's definitely a massacre at Hawkins Lab for sure by one. And it looks like you were right, Rima. He is Victor's son. Whoa, and she does a superhero landing after remembering her birth, and whoa. Oh, how is Eleven going to deal with this? The fact that she created the opening up upside down and maybe created Vecna. Oh, the last two are going to be good, and they're out. So technically, I could watch them, watch the next one right now, but I'm going to wait. I appreciate the restraint. Thank you, Steve. Mm-hmm. That was a fantastic live steving as always love a good live steve oh my gosh he he never lets me down 
That was so good. Um, and thanks for mentioning Elle's little super superhero pose um, after she had come into her power there. I've, I've had that in my notes and just totally overlooked it because I have so many freaking notes. Just totally overlooked that. Um, I wanted to mention it, and I felt it, that was such a badass freaking moment there from Eleven and definitely worth mentioning. Um, thank you, everyone, so much. Again, I love going to our page to to get the feedback from everyone and seeing all of the responses and comments, seeing all of the emails in our inbox and all of the voice messages. Thank you all so much. Um, I love also getting a lot of messages. When are you guys recording? When are you guys recording? When can I when can I send in this voicemail so I can watch the next episode? <laughs> Knowing that everyone's with us, just I love it. I love you guys. Um, thank you so much. I. I appreciate you guys so much. We're almost there, y'all. Yeah. We are almost there. Hang in there. We're in it together. Um, well, if you would like to contact us, as I mentioned, all of this great feedback, there's so many ways that you can reach out to us. And uh, one of the ways while you are following us here um, at Hawkins, Indiana, you can also follow us on Twitter at Strange Cast. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. And you can email us at strangerthingscastpod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts. Speaking of great podcasts, make sure you check out Peak and Daphne and their podcast called Run For Your Lives. Any special teases this week? Yeah, uh, this week... We are <laughs> we're talking about Stranger Things. Let's talk about another big Netflix original hit that had spawned all kinds of memes and conversations and challenges and all kinds of things. Uh, we are going back to 2018's Bird Box, starring Sandra Bullock. Hey, <laughs> nice. So, yeah, that's our episode this week. We are breaking down and talking about Bird Box and covering all of that. So we'd love to hear your thoughts on that, anyone and everyone. So again, run for your lives podcast at gmail.com. I'll just go ahead and plug it real quick. Give us your thoughts on that one. I know a lot of people really loved that movie when it first came out. And uh, I, it's, I, it still holds up going back and watching it a few years later. I'm like, no, no, it's still pretty freaking great. <laughs> That's good. I, I remember enjoying it. I, I, I know that there was some mixed uh, thoughts and reviews on that. I, I liked it and yeah. thought it was interesting. In fact, I, I think I, covered that with jason on um you, might, you guys might have deadcast on during the off season i think uh-huh. um i think um it's kind of been a hot minute yeah. <laughs> um that's that's great can't wait to check that out yeah everyone be sure to uh watch the movie if you haven't uh and go and leave them some feedback yeah. um it's fun hearing from from you guys um and I know that the episodes were published. I think I might have mentioned it before. If I didn't mention it, I'll be sure to mention it now because the episodes were released. I uh, covered um, a couple of weeks ago with our friends Damien and Mark. We covered Top Gun Maverick. Um, I've mentioned many times I'm a fan of the original 1986 movie. Covered that with Damien um, several weeks ago. And, and I covered it with Mark, too, a few years ago on his Adrenaline Cinema podcast. But it was a dual effort uh, with, with those two. Um, so look for that on Damien's um, podcast. Um, watched, watched it in the 80s. And 
um, Mark's um, podcast, Journal and Cinema, um, you'll you'll find that there. That was so much fun. I dug the hell out of that movie um, and had a great time talking with those two guys about it. Nice. So be sure to check that out. Sure. Um, well, for us, our next episode here will be Stranger Things, Season 4, Episode 8, Chapter 8, Papa. Mm. It's a little bit, I, I, I'm appreciating at least the, the minimalism of this title yeah. versus last week's where it was very much like, okay, we kind of know what's happening. I don't know anything about this one. Yeah. Brenner will be in it. I feel like, yes. I think we, I think we can make that. Spoiler alert. I feel like Brenner's probably going to be <laughs> next, this episode. <laughs> uh, well, all right. That's our show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, I'm Rima. I'm Paige. And Rhonda Brown is strange indeed. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.